we were both toxic in that relationship. Yeah. I was reactive. And so, you know, reactive abuse is a, is a thing. It's yeah. not. Let's let's dismantle that really quick because oh. I don't think that reactive abuse I think that that's a very harmful narrative for victims of abuse. And I think that we should reframe it and say that this is my reaction to abuse. Okay. Not reactive abuse. again and welcome to a very special episode of Authentic On Air with Bruce Alexander. Today marks the first occasion that I have multiple guests in the on-air studio at the same time. I am both excited and terrified. (laughs) Maybe this will be the test that proves to me that I know what I'm doing. Or not. I joke around but I feel so blessed to have the host team of the Marvelous Mystonic Muggles podcast in the studio. With the three of us in the same place, there will be a lot of A's, D's, and H's being unleashed on the airwaves. We will see what happens after today's reflection. It seems easier to avoid pain and betrayal if you never let anyone in. But doesn't that cycle actually invite more struggle into your life? Carrying all the burdens of life can be a lot. What if you shared the load with someone, even for just a moment? Life gets lighter. I challenge you to talk to someone about the heavy pain or stress inside. You may have become numb to it or gotten really good at pretending it doesn't exist. You can go to a medical professional for a more comprehensive solution, but what I'm talking about is just a moment of complete authenticity with anyone. Don't seek or even receive advice or solutions. Just sit in a moment of utter truth and feel that layer of anxiety fed by hiding melt away. Even if it is just for that moment, appreciate what it feels like to exist as your real self in the physical world. Try it. And tell me your experience in the episode 19 reflection post on Instagram, threads, Facebook, or something else that's wrong (laughs) i will edit that part i need to do that there's there's something else that's supposed to be part of that let's just go no no well i'm on spotify but not let's try that again try it again and tell me your experience on the episode 19 reflection post on instagram threads or facebook at authentic identity management or make a post with the hashtag authentic reflection. I would love to hear from you. I practice this all the time with you. As my audience, you have experienced me dumping my emotional waste tank off. It is so important to me as host of this show that I keep it real. So whenever I start to feel like an emotion I want to hide from is filling me up, I just smash that eject button. That is often on air, and I'm totally okay with that, because that is exactly what this space was created for. Remember, if you like today's podcast or love the space we are creating on this show, then please leave a review and follow this podcast so you don't miss any of the great episodes I have coming weekly. If you want to help learning, or if you want help learning how to embrace authenticity on a daily basis, comment eject in the episode 19 reflection comments, and I will reach out to you personally and set up a free consultation call. If you want to give the show some extra support, check out the new Authentic on Air with Bruce Alexander Patreon. I have more in development, but the two tiers currently set up are a $5 monthly supporter tier, and if you really just want to give back a bit and help me in my mission, my mission of spreading authenticity and a VAP, a very authentic person package. For that, you get $100 a month and you will be uh, given two 30-minute one-on-one authenticity coaching calls with me. 
Uh, I'll protect your ad-free listening as I move forward with trying to get sponsors, and there will be some degree of all the benefits rolled out for lower tiers as I start to have the financial support to keep growing. So getting back to the amazing opportunity in front of me today. My guests met at the age of five and have spent the rest of their days in a relationship of platonic bliss. I have no friends in my life from childhood or primary school, secondary school, first run at college, early jobs, or even when I left Tulsa about 10 years ago. I wonder what my life would have looked like if, like Marilyn and Latricia, I found someone early in life that shared similar social struggles and successes. Would I have a lifelong friend if I had met an ADHD counterpart? Even more interesting, would I have felt the need to play the fit-in game if I had known that someone liked me just as I was? I will never know. But I do know that I love to see what the host of the newly launched podcast, The Marvelous Mystonic Muggles, have found in each other. You're both ADHD and autistic, I get the feeling that they have seen the darkest, ugliest parts and continue to love each other anyway. They both parent neurodivergent children and have survived domestic violence and sexual assault, making the smiles and laughter constant in their presence even more praiseworthy. They both bring a myriad of skills, talents, and certifications to the table, but as they sit across from me today, I see two authentic humans and that I am so excited to get to know. Welcome to the show, Marilyn and Latricia. Hey! <laughs> we are so excited to be here. So excited. Thank you so much. <laughs> uh, before we get you deep in anything, can you tell us in your own words, but as a pair, who you are, how you spend the majority of your time together, and why you think I invited you both on the show? Oh my gosh. Who we are as a pair? Oh, we Tweedle are. Tweedledee and Tweedledee. Smarter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we are just our awkward, man. authentic, like genuinely. Yeah. Like, we're weird. We dance and sing, and there's no filters, you know? Like, we just yeah. um, try to show up like as authentic as we can and um just be willing and committed to growing and healing with each other and holding space for each other and mm-hmm. you know that's what's created this long life connection you know but it always wasn't like that too you know like we've had our mm-hmm. moments of like separation you know mm-hmm. where we've had to like you know, be alone and be on different paths in certain seasons in our life. But, um, you know, I think when you find your person, like, she's my person, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think it's so beautiful to normalize, like, platonic relationships because now in society it seems so, like, off-putting almost, you know, to, mm-hmm. like, kind of like what you and Taylor were talking about, like, not having like it not being okay to ask for help and you know things like that like so I'm really grateful to like have found someone that I can experience that with and grow with and share my life with and you know it's great we do get mistaken for lesbians (laughs) all the time all the time I mean it it seems like you have such a deep connection and you know talking about your you're finding your person yeah usually you think of your person as being someone that you're gonna yeah. like spend together as a spouse so yeah. what is that like how's that been for your relationships mm. that develop outside of this friendship has it been hard for them to find space mm. so I don't think that either one of us have really been in a 
relationship where we were truly able to be just like friends how we like to be mm-hmm. friends yeah. does does that make sense yeah. like you know they they're we to our faces it's you know i love that you you know have a friend and mm-hmm. blah, blah blah but then as soon as you know the other's gone and it's just you know mm-hmm. your you and your partner it's you know why can't we have a relationship like that? Or, you know, mm-hmm. um, always trying to use us against each other. Um, yeah, that triangulation. Yeah. Like for me, like, you know, I just escaped a 12 year domestic violence relationship last year. And so like for the majority of that relationship, like it was just such a, Mm, I don't know what the word is but it wasn't supported like at all um like I was very isolated from her Mm -hmm. um because there was a lot of coercive control happening um and so because I don't have family like other than my parents and that was like (laughs) excuse me already kind of tainted it was easier for him to manipulate me to like not be with her either and so there was a lot of like pitting us against each other like making these like just weird insinuations that like we're more than just friends or um he would make gross comments about like we should have a threesome with her and I'm like just so off the wall stuff and so it just wasn't something that was ever fully supported in any relationship that I've been in Um, and so now it's kind of like, we're able to have that type of freedom because it's, we've always talked about that as kids, you know, like we're going to grow old and live together someday, you know? And I just think that, you know, that's exactly what our ancestors were doing, Yeah. you know, and having that community. And so like the way that America now like shames people for, being vulnerable and asking for help and it's like anytime someone does that it's like why are you asking for a handout and kind of like again what you guys were talking about pull yourself up by your bootstraps kind of thing and it's like not everything in life has to be hard work Mm -hmm. like why can't I work joyfully Um, I, I totally agree why can't I work with ease you know and why can't I have a community that supports me in that where we uplift and encourage each other and you don't have to do it all by yourself and especially like as a single mom and we're raising like neurodivergent children like why can't we do that like why is that like you know what I'm saying because even with intimacy people always think of physical intimacy like or sexual intimacy but like there's so many other ways that you can be intimate sharing Mm -hmm. a playlist with someone is a form of intimacy like I was thinking of you and this song reminded me of you or um you know just all different types of love conversations yeah Yeah. that's super intimate being able to be vulnerable with somebody and just have a real raw conversation without being afraid of judgment Mm -hmm. like that in itself is just a true deep form of intimacy yeah and it's like we have that 
we have created a safe space for each other to be exactly who we are Mm -hmm. without feeling like, you know, we have to walk on eggshells or be afraid or, you know, like we have made it okay to have hard conversations Mm. because it's not that we, we don't agree a hundred percent of the time, Mm -hmm. but when, whenever we don't agree, we literally have conversation. Mm -hmm. There's no arguing, there's no yelling, there's no, you know, any of that petty stuff. It's like, Hey, what you said really kind of bothered me or what you did just kind of, you know, made me feel some type of way. And then talking through that, you don't get that very often. But I will say it's taken time to get even to those spaces because we didn't realize for many years that, um, you know, some of our relationship was like really codependent, Mm. Um, like attachment issues, you know? And so um, like, for me, I became more of like a disorganized, anxious attachment because I also experienced abuse as a child. And so like I kind of took on the fawn response where I learned to people please and walk on eggshells and um, treat myself for other people's comfort. And then not knowing that I had autism and ADHD, I also, you know, masked you know, that imposter syndrome, you know, I spent the majority of my life being, you know, in that. And so it took me a long time to really say things that I had wanted to say to her, but I was afraid of rejection. Yeah. And like, and I, it's weird to say that because like, when you think about it, it's like, I should never have felt that way, but That's just how I was with anybody, not just her, but because I held her at such a higher place than anyone else, it like I was so scared to lose her, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? By just like being like, if say she did something that bothered me or said something, like I I'm like, I don't like conflict, so we're just gonna not say anything. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Real quick, let me jump in and like yeah. to an aside to my audience, these women have both had very interesting, authentic experiences with life, and they're both gonna be guests individually later on in the show. So if you're wondering why I'm not delving into some of that stuff now, oh, yeah. it's because right now I want to focus on their relationship <laughs> and how they've had such a deep and authentic they've got to such a deep and authentic place now and what that's looked like because like you guys said it is not um i wouldn't say it's the norm to have deep intimate friendships i hope you're enjoying this fantastic conversation with the fabulous co-host of the marvelous mystonic moguls podcast hit that subscribe button right now because more content like this is on the way and i don't want you to miss it want to see the script get flipped on me then you definitely want to follow because next week on the 20th episode of authentic on air i want to do something different so I let AOA alumni Taylor Doe take over my studio and put me in the hot seat to talk about my authentic journey. I am not going to lie. I like being the person asking the questions way more than being the one answering them. However, I did really enjoy the opportunity to share my story with my listeners so they can get to know the man behind the mic just a little bit better. 
And as always, anytime I get to sit across from Taylor, I know there's going to be a great conversation. If you don't believe me, just check out episode 9 when you finish this one, and you will be a believer. Let's get back to the conversation at hand, and don't forget to rate and subscribe this podcast. Maryland's solo episode is coming soon. Thanks for listening. You know, it's, yeah. it is in America, it's generally accepted as a societal thing to be intimate with your, you know, your spouse, your partner right. that way. But somebody who's a friend, it takes so many different things to happen right. to really become intimate with, you know, in, within your friendships. Mm-hmm. So thinking about that, you guys talked about like shrinking in your other relationships mm-hmm. and what responsibility did you feel to each other to to call the other person out and, and let them know like, hey, you're getting away from who you are. Mm. Like, did you, did you ever take that personally? Oh, that's a deep <laughs> one. So yeah. we actually kind of <laughs> talked about this. So her last relationship in the beginning, I thought that what it meant to be a supportive friend was whatever decision she made. I'm like, I'm, I'm here. Yeah. You know, and not saying, you know, I don't think that this is right. I don't think, you know, like, and it's just, well, it's your decision and I'm going to support you no matter what. I thought that that's what it meant to be a friend. And then her and I went through a period where we didn't talk to each other for like four months. It was like the three months. Yeah. Yeah. But that was a very hard, like, I mean, like, snot crying, like, grieving, thought I, you know, like, (laughs) literally. And then whenever we came back together and finally, like, talked, I think I sent her, like, a joke or something. (laughs) Because we were so awkward. (laughs) And, like, she's like... I knew this is what was going to happen. Right. And I'm like, and we ended up sitting in the car at the park and yeah. talked like for hours, but she looked at me and she said, don't let me, don't let me go back. Don't let me fall for it again. Mm-hmm. Don't let me. And I was like, yeah. you got it, dude. And it so, just, so when was this? Um, not last year, but the year before 2021. Mm-hmm. So yeah. up until that, what what caused the the rift? What what was the thing that happened that I chose to stay again? Okay, so you had left. Yeah, well, left. I was going to leave. Um, he had deployed, and he was supposed to be gone for like four months. And it was kind of like anytime he would leave, the veil gets lifted right. because I'm able to think for myself. I'm able to um, feel the energy shift. Well, too, because like with having autism or ADHD, like there's that delayed processing. Mm -hmm. So I had to play catch up, you know what I'm saying? And so um, I was like, okay, I'm going to leave. Like that was like the third time that I was trying to leave. And um, he ended up like manipulating the military said that he was going to try to kill himself and they sent him home early. And then it just, the love bombing was so heavy. It started all over again. Um, You know, he was mirroring my behavior and, you know, I can't believe that I can love again. And I'm meditating like everything that I was doing and implementing in my life. And, um, you know, when you're 
wanting to see that in someone else, which is really like you projecting your traits onto that person and being in a state of denial and not seeing them for who they are. Um, That's a really hard place to be in. And he's the father of my children. And so um, I was like, ah, I'm staying. But like before that, we had talked about moving in together and like, we're going to do this. Like we're going to, cause we've lived together before the first time that I tried to leave and um, you know, addiction is so real. Like, and when you're in those narcissistic relationships, like it becomes, your body becomes addicted, you know, and that stems from childhood. Like that was what was modeled for me as a child. And so um, that chaos and dysfunction became my norm, you know? So when I had peace, it was like, where's the chaos? Mm-hmm. And so I ended up staying. And so to we had all these plans during those two months. And then when I chose to stay, it was just like, whew. I remember too. But also like in that time, it was really pivotal for me because I had to learn in the ways that we were really codependent. Yeah. And I had to learn that... I was the person that would drop everything and what I was doing when someone needed me. Mm-hmm. And I was doing that with her all of the time as well. And I was like making that exception. And that was kind of a wake up call for me as well. Of Like, I can't do that. Like, right. I can't be everything for everybody, including you. And so that was hard conversations to have to have, too, because... I had to be honest about how I felt and not like filter anything mm-hmm. because I was scared of her response. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And plus I read like facial cues, like so heavily, you know, and if I see her face, like, you know, like remotely like change in any way, I'm like, well, I didn't mean to say it like that or, you know, and I would like stutter and stuff. And like, now I just, I'm grateful that we're to a point to where I can just be like, that's not what I said. Yeah. Let me finish. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And then we can just continue that conversation. And I love that so much for her. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, you like know. I remember mm-hmm. whenever you told me you were going to stay and it was literally like I had just got like stabbed yeah. right in my heart. And yeah. it wasn't necessarily because of the plans that you and I had made of like trying to get you out again and all of that. It was literally because I knew that it was going to happen all over again. Mm -hmm. It was going to be okay for a little bit, but then it wasn't going to be okay. Once he knew he had his hooks back in you. Yeah. Like it was going to go right back to what it was before. Mm -hmm. And I remember like whenever we were sitting in the car after we had come back together and you were like, it, it's happening all over again. Yeah. And you're like, don't, you know, don't let me. Yeah. Don't let me stay. And I'm like, don't be that friend. That's yeah. Like, I'm so happy, happy for, for you. You guys are working. Yeah. Like, out, be you know? real. <laughs> because at that point, I had already made up my mind that if she was going to stay, then our friendship could not continue. Yeah. That's a boundary. And it yeah. was because, not because I didn't love her, not because I didn't have love for her. Because you loved her. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And it was like, I can't watch this mm-hmm. again. And, you know, and I was going through my own stuff and, you know, all of that at the same time. And so it's like, mm-hmm. you know, like, 
and yeah. we got to um, we got to figure it out. You know, mm-hmm. she has to learn for herself. I've got to, you know, I've got to learn for myself. And just like she said, we had to break that codependency that we had on each other. Talking to Latricia, you were also in an abusive relationship, right? Yes, I, so I didn't even realize that the relationship was so psychologically um what's the word yeah like basically until after mm-hmm. if that makes sense but i can honestly and be 100 honest and say like we were both toxic in that relationship yeah i was reactive and so you know reactive abuse is is, is a thing it's yeah. not let's let's dismantle that really quick because oh. I don't think that reactive abuse, I think that that's a very harmful narrative for victims of abuse. And I think that we should reframe it and say that this is my reaction to abuse. Okay. Not reactive abuse. You know what I'm saying? Because when people abuse and abuse and nitpick and all this stuff, that is what they do to produce an emotional reaction or response from their victims. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that's a really harmful phrase that kind of needs to be dismantled and kind of regrouped a little bit because for victims, like that's further victim blaming and insinuating that victims themselves are abusive. You know, well, can I ask a question? Sure. Do you think at some point it can become reactive abuse where you have your spirit has been soured to such a degree to where you were actually abusing? No. You don't you don't think that's I don't think so because in that case, like you are defending yourself. And so for like victims that have been berated and psychologically abused and coercive controlled and isolated. It's so unjust and unfair to judge a victim's reaction to abuse. What if that reaction is on someone else? It's not the abuser. What does it become then? I don't, I've never really like seen or like seen any cases or anything like that where that's happened. It's only happened with abusers that I've seen where abusers will use like children or anything like that. Um, but I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah, that's okay. Example. I cut you off, but yeah. If you're, you know, you're in a relationship where you're being abused and you take it out on your children, mm-hmm. you are emotionally abusive with them. Yeah. Is that, does that become your responsibility at that point for not, for not having the ability to handle what's being put on you in a way to not put it on somebody else? Yeah, I mean, I think that you should take accountability for that for sure, because I know, like, I had been guilty of that, you know, mm-hmm. um, earlier on in my relationship with my husband, with my children. Um, that's a really good question. I'm going to have to think on that. Yeah, yeah, let me think on that, because that's, mm-hmm. that's really good. <laughs> yeah, and the, the reason why I yeah. ask is because... <laughs> I, I definitely think that victim blaming is a real thing that yeah. should not be yeah. should not be done. Yeah. People don't choose to be abused. Right. Like that's but I think it's also an authentic thing to do to, to be very self-aware. Yeah. And so whenever you're starting to let something that is 
affecting you mm-hmm. negatively affect other people. Yeah. I think that at some point you have to take culpability of that right. and, yeah. and change something. Well, yeah. that's more like dysregulation, I feel like, because when you're talking about the phrase reactive abuse is literally just meaning towards the victim and the abuser. Right. Okay. So when you're involving other people, that's more of like you're emotionally dysregulated. Mm-hmm. And you're taking your anger out on other people. Right. And I don't think that that's, <clears throat> that's a very like thin line because you have to learn how to regulate emotionally. And if you're constantly being abused, it's really hard to do that. Like I was never the person that would take my emotions out on other people because I was being abused. Mm-hmm. Because I knew that I had to do better for my children and I was like the shield, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Um, But like in those cases, I really feel like it's directly just correlating with the abuser and the victim. And so if you were being reactive because your partner was constantly like harassing you in the house and belittling you, you know, so I had no emotional self-control, right? Mm -hmm. Like genuinely. And so do you feel like (laughs) your autism played a part in that or like my ADHD makes it very hard? to Yes. Now that, so I feel like I was misdiagnosed (laughs) with bipolar disorder, (laughs) but really it's like ADHD rage, autism, rage like not being able to like understand and control like the overstimulation the dysregulation all of those things that's happening and it literally comes out as rage but I was taught that at at a young age like I was taught that whenever that standing up for yourself meant fighting Mm. you know and so Anytime, you know, so I haven't talked about this publicly, so and this is Go big girl. Yeah. Believe so my ex had a lot of affairs, mm-hmm. but I never had a hundred percent proof mm-hmm. of the affairs, but I knew it was happening. But even whenever she looked at me and said Oh, I didn't go to this Christmas program that some of our really good friends were their children were in it and she met her ex at a park and they kissed Mm -hmm. but she didn't tell me that until like two years after it happened Mm -hmm. so then it's like but you can't be mad because it happened so long ago Mm -hmm. but you know what I'm saying and so then yeah and so then it's like yeah you know like thank you so much for like being honest with me and telling me that but then thinking about it and it really hitting and then getting angry because it's like how could you do that you know I mean I punched holes in walls you know I kicked holes in walls like I would literally I would lose it and so then I would be made out to be the crazy one Mm -hmm. and it's like look at you you know look at how you're acting if you if I felt like you loved me I wouldn't have done that if I felt like I was getting the attention from you that I needed. I wouldn't have done that. And then I start feeling bad about myself because it's like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Like, I, I, I could have done better. I can do better. I can oh. give me a chance. Let me do better. Whenever yeah. they're the, you know, mm-hmm. like they're the one that went out and yeah. 
found somebody else, you know? And I mean, and ultimately that's how our relationship ended is I found out that she was like, I had hundred percent proof that Mm. there was an affair. And whenever I found out it was like two o'clock in the morning. Yeah. I flipped a light on, I threw something at her (laughs) and then we started going at it. Like we started fighting. I punched a hole in the wall in the garage Mm. and then she started crying and she was like, I'm sorry. (laughs) And I looked at her in that moment and I said, you're not sorry. You're not sorry because of what you did. You're sorry because I caught you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you need to leave. Were you ever like, actually, did you physically put your hands on each other? In that that one particular moment, like mm-hmm. whenever that was happening, mm-hmm. yeah. Like, I mean, we were like wrestling um, because she was trying to get her phone away from me because I was trying to call. Oh, yeah. Yeah the lady mm-hmm. um because i was you're you spinning out yeah i sure was yeah. mm-hmm. and um anyways and she has a scar on her arm from where i was like clawing, clawing at her but we were um but outside of that we were never physical with each other it was just like, it was more verbal and emotional yeah. than anything. I mean, I couldn't leave the house. If I had on a dress, I'd have to literally bend down and touch my toes. Oh, nope. It's too short. You can't wear that. Whoa. You know, but then, you know, made to be like, but I'm just looking out for you, you know, because you don't want, you know, <clears throat> people just coming up to you and thinking, you know, da 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 And like, so then I'm like, oh, like she loves me and she's protecting me. And see, her story is a great example because many people think, like in my case, like that it's just men that can be narcissistic or abusive. No, no. like women are just more capable of being manipulative and stuff. But, you know, it's just a prime example, yeah. you know. But I mean, like I said, I can say that, you know, I I can take fault or take re- accountability for mm-hmm. the parts that I played. Because there was a lot of situations that I could have handled better, but in that moment, I didn't know any better. I think that it's important that you corrected that from fault to accountability. Yes. I think those are two different things. Yes. And, you know, I, like, my wife and I, we have had some really rough patches in our relationship Mm -hmm. where we argued so ferociously that it seemed like we were not even Mm -hmm. two humans anymore. Yeah. But that was... We're both ADHD, and neither one of us knew enough about ADHD to understand the emotional dysregulation mm-hmm. that comes with that. Yeah. And learning that that piece of it has completely changed our relationship. Yeah. Like, we both understand, like, she's not as mad as she seems right now. Yeah. She needs to process, or mm-hmm. he's not as, like, I, I often would just not tap into my emotions at all because I didn't want to go to that angry place. Yeah. And so she had to <laughs> learn, like, he's not trying to not feel right he's trying to like take this in a, in a way that he can process it in a safe way right and both of us learning like she doesn't prod me i don't like react back to those huge you yeah know, th- and mm-hmm. it just completely changed everything because there is a difference between an abusive relationship mm-hmm. and learning how to be in a relationship right and if you love somebody sometimes it's it does take work yeah and it's okay to say like is this something that is salvageable are we willing to put in the work to be a mm-hmm. safe, loving couple? Right. And yeah, and we we definitely had to, we had to find yeah. our our, yeah. our groove. And I think that that's great because what makes 
relationships like that so beautiful is the fact that y'all can talk about it, take accountability. You, whenever you came into awareness of what was happening, you made the conscious decision to change the behavior. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so what makes it not okay is whenever you come into awareness of what is happening and you choose not to change the behavior. Or you turn it back on the other person. Correct. <laughs> well, and that's, that's a part of that because a lot of people like will say like, you should know better or you should have done this, you should have, and it's like, but that's the thing about being conscious and unconscious. When you're in a state of unconsciousness, you don't have the awareness. No. You don't know better. And so whenever you do become enlightened and aware, then you are presented with the opportunity of choices. Do mm -hmm. I want to continue this cycle or do I want to heal and end these toxic cycles? You know, and that's a choice. And a lot of people don't want to make that choice yeah. because being in what's always been comfortable is safer than diving into the unknown and being uncomfortable and like sitting in your own shit basically yeah. you know what i'm yeah. saying because and then when you have somebody that is willing to sit in that with you that's fantastic because you're not responsible for somebody else you're not responsible for changing someone else or whatever and like as a recovering people pleaser i was always that trying to be the martyr and the rescuer and the do it all friend and mm -hmm. be it all and and because I'm so enthusiastic and passionate, like when I learn something new, I want to tell everybody and I'm going to take everybody with me, yeah. but not realizing like some things are just meant for you in that moment. So like sit with that and like just allow spirit to use you in that way and you people can choose to come if they want to, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Um, because I had, it was hard for me because I love like having like meaningful conversations. Like it's very hard for me to like, just have like superficial conversations. Me too. I'm like, what yeah. do I do? <laughs> you know? And so I disassociate real quick. Uh, yes. It's just like, you know, yes. the two word, how you doing today? <laughs> right. Yeah. So like that, that brings me back to something you guys said in your, in your bio normalizing platonic friendship and showing others they can build lasting relationships through vulnerability, community, love, and support. Mm -hmm. So that part to me, like that's immediately what I want to go to in my friendships. Sure. You as well, you as well. The thing we all have in common is that we have a lowered social filter because of our ADHD, yeah. because of autism. We like to skip through the BS. Yeah. Yep. How, what does that look like, in your opinion, to like I want to I don't want to say normies, but like, like neurotypical, neuro yeah. like muggles. Yeah, <laughs> is that okay? Is that yeah. what you're talking about when you say muggles on your show? Are you talking about the people who don't exactly think like us? That's it. Hey, I never really thought of it like that, but I guess it could. We're be. just huge Harry Potter fans. <laughs> yeah, huge Harry Potter fans. Um, but I think that like. It does become very challenging when you are neurodivergent, especially when you're still learning about ADHD and autism, because like I always knew, I think once I got into my early 20s and I started to learn about ADHD, I just knew 
Um, but I didn't get a diagnosis until I was like 33, you mm-hmm. know? And so, and then even with autism, that has just been within the last year. Oh, wow. And so like, I am still learning myself as well, because one, I've been in a domestic violence relationship for over a decade too. So who am I, mm-hmm. you know, like really having to learn my sense of self. And so when it comes to like having to, make friendships with other people or try to develop this community, sometimes it does become challenging. I know it has been like for us growing up because a lot of those relationships, even I had to realize like a 17 year relationship I was in was like very superficial. Mm. God, and that's hard because you have to grieve that, you know what I mean? And like the lack of depth and support and uplifting and encouragement and then also like taking accountability for yourself of where you self-sabotaged, where you let down your boundaries, where you, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Cause you can't just put the blame on another person cause you're responsible for yourself in that. Um, but I know it's been very challenging for me to like develop relationships with people. And especially because like people would always just like look at me as a pretty face. And so that was really frustrating. Cause I'm like super fucking goofy and like outgoing and like, I just want to like talk about dinosaurs, you know, and just like do weird things together. Let's, let's go collect rocks, you know? Mm-hmm. But like, I've literally like, like bags and yeah, but I've had men like tell me that, like that I don't want to get too close to you because I'm really sexually attracted to you. And I'm like, that's such a bummer, man. Like, cause God, like, I'm really cool as shit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You're missing out because there's been times I want to have that relationship with men and not be sexualized. Yeah. You know? And, like, that stinks, you know? Especially when you think that they're, like, a really amazing person. You might connect with them, like, musically or, like, whatever. And I've really struggled with having these meaningful relationships with people. And specifically because of ADHD and autism, because I just don't connect with you in that way. Mm-hmm. And that's hard. So I've spent, I mean, I'm an only child, you know, so I've learned to like be alone and I like, I'm okay with that. But I think naturally as humans, like we're not designed to be alone. Like we are meant for community. And so finding your community yeah it's very important it is and it happens though once you step into alignment yeah is what I've learned you know for me I get told I'm a b word all the time uh because I'm blunt Mm -hmm. like straight to the point and I'm so that makes me aggressive yeah Mm -hmm. and that you know (laughs) it's like I'm just direct and instead of it being looked at as assertive or direct, it's why are you being aggressive? And it's like, how is me telling you that what you just said makes no sense? Me being aggressive. It's just <laughs> me being honest. So yeah. like, you know, or, you know, trying to like, if you're oh, conscious. Let me pause real quick. I just stopped recording. I think that. One second. Just crumping, crumping, doing your daily crumping. Sorry, 
Yeah. Picking back up, you were just talking about um, people asserting that you're a, a B word because you're you're honest. Yeah. And I mean, not saying that I can't be, because I can, <laughs> but I am. I like, I am not afraid to just say it, mm-hmm. but it's like, I don't know how else to say it. It takes more work to try to beat around the bush and think of like, I'm trying to think of an example, but my brain can't come up with one right now fast enough. But, uh, you know, like, you have a booger in your nose. Yeah. Like, instead of being yeah. like, oh man, like sometimes whenever I get it, like sometimes I like to just get tissues and just kind of like <laughs> wipe them on my nose, you know, instead of just looking at them and being like, hey, you got a booger in your nose. Like, yeah. it takes yeah. more effort to come up yeah. with a whole scenario to beat around the bush than just saying it. Yeah. And I, I found a very similar thing because I'm I can be brash at times. Mm-hmm. But what I what I found oh is that <laughs> I, I've had to start asking myself, is it helpful? Is it timely? Mm-hmm. And am I being kind? Mm-hmm. Like if if I can answer any one of those three questions with a no, then it's either needs to wait till another time or yeah, and that that's, that's been a process. Yeah. yeah, that's been a process of learning that mm-hmm. I can be honest because that is my authentic mm-hmm. self. But if my honesty is making other people unhappy, that's not, that doesn't line up with what I want for myself or other people. So that means it's not an authentic value for me. So that means I need to work on it. That so, means it's something I need to grow. Let me challenge you in that aspect. So when it comes to like being authentic in relationships and there's something that you need to be honest with your friend about and having an uncomfortable conversation do you hold responsibility for their emotions um like with that i hold responsibility for my with my effect on their emotions okay and that's that's not saying that i'm not gonna ever make anybody sad we're like i've told my friends recently that we're moving to the northeast like we're moving to new england and yeah. that that has hurt a lot of people's feelings. They're yeah. they're upset about it, but I can't take that on right. because you know my joy and happiness and the joy and happiness of my family yeah. can't be put you know yeah, right. in the back seat to somebody else. Yeah. So right. as much as I can respect myself first, yes. then their emotions come next. Yeah. And so yeah. whenever I can live my full best self and not hurt other people, mm. that's that's what I want to do. But sometimes, yeah, I'm going to hurt other people sometimes. Yeah. But Often there's a choice to do it in a non-hurtful way. I just really try to, like, especially whenever I'm talking to her, it's kind of the, my my beginning of a conversation is, don't take this the wrong way. I'm not trying to be mean. I just don't know how else to say it, and so I'm just going to say it. Because I'm so sensitive. Like, and so, I'm like, sensitive. I try really hard to, you know, like, it may come out, you know, some yeah. type of way, but please know that I'm, like, saying what I have to say with love, with love yeah. I just don't know how else to yeah. say it. But you I know? love what and you said, because, like, I feel like you so can apply though. that with children. Mm-hmm. Wow, like, what a great, like, mantra. You know what I'm saying? I do have children, yeah. and it has, like, really yeah. developed the person that I am so much better because, you know, I, I'm still just a big kid myself, yeah. but I'm the responsible one. Yeah. So... Uh, does yeah, it's absolute responsibility. It's, yeah. it's awful. It's a draw. It's a scam. Don't don't let me have you thinking that I'm perfect at this. Yeah. That I, that I nail yeah. it every time. My wife will happily tell you that I hurt her feelings all the time. But yeah. I don't like. It's not my goal, and I'm yeah. quick to apologize and say I did that wrong. So mm-hmm. what are the three again? It is. Is it timely? Is it timely? Is it kind? Is it, kind? Is it helpful? Mm. Exactly. That's, that's great. great. Genuinely. Mm-hmm. 
I yeah. need to. I, I need know. to work on that. I'll write a note. Because yeah, with, do it. <laughs> with, with the way that I am, like I have to have hard, fast rules. Yeah. Like, I, like things that are nebulous, I lose them. Like yeah. that's that's not what works for me. I need to have things that I can go to and like here's here's the checklist. Yeah. And it's like if I have a checklist and I can go through that, then that's something that will stick. That's something yeah. I'll keep going back to and saying, okay, yeah, this yeah this doesn't meet the test. Like, Is it yeah? Is it timely? And is it helpful? Is it helpful? Yeah. Interesting. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Got it. Share that note with me so okay. that way I, I can see it too. And um, I, I I don't know. Like I I've questioned it, but I don't know that I'm autistic. So I don't. Yeah. I, I'm curious as to how you found. For, first, let me go back to yeah. you guys being five and finding each other. <laughs> like, how quickly did you recognize that this person gets you in a way that other people haven't? I think it was pretty quick. Like we don't like for me, I don't remember a lot of like that early years. Like we were, we grew up in Sunday school together. And, um, for me, I think it was like probably like late elementary when we really started like getting super, super close. And then, um, by the time we got to seventh grade, then we were just like inseparable um but you know because of what I was going through as a child like she was kind of like playing the rescuer you know and plus she had two older brothers and so like she was that like protector and you know you're gonna ride the bus home with me you know mm -hmm. and things like that and that's kind of how yeah. she was like with anybody else too and I would like <laughs> sit on the phone with her mom oh god and I'd be like you better not ever put your head on my <laughs> <laughs> like 12 years old. She's you know, not just... coming back to your house. Wow. Yeah. You could get it to yeah. Her. She was bold, man. Do you bold, think that right? that speaks to your autism? The, uh, the ability to not see injustice go un yes, unheralded? I do. Yes. yes. I do. Um, and I didn't get, I was 34 whenever I got diagnosed with autism mm -hmm. and ADHD. And so back in, that day, you know, I was just always told that I was just a really aggressive child mm -hmm. because anytime something would happen, like I was always like, no, that's not right. Yeah. You know, like where, you know, like Same. I got in fights a lot, but I never started them. Right. You know, but like not we a sarcasm. <laughs> were, sarcasm. You know, we were talking about this, I think yesterday, you know. Me and my brothers, whenever we were young, we were very volatile. <laughs> like, we, like, we would go at it. Yeah. We loved each other very, very much. But whenever we would fight, like, it was very aggressive. Yeah. And, uh, but don't let anybody come in and try to think that they're going to mess with one of us. Because then you get all three of us. And yeah. that's, you know, a mm -hmm. disaster for the other person. Yeah. Anyways, um, but I remember I was getting bullied hardcore. And for whatever reason... I had a hard time, like, standing up to these girls at school that were bullying me. And I was coming home. My mom tried really hard to go to the school, talk to the school, like, tried to handle it correctly. And it just wasn't getting better. Mm -hmm. It was making the situation worse. Mm -hmm. And literally, finally, my mom looked at me and said, if you don't fight those girls like you fight your brothers, I'm going to fight you. <laughs> And I was terrified yeah. of my mother, you know? And so I'm like, 
okay, because that's not a fight I want to participate in. I don't want that smoke. Yeah, Yeah, no. And so then literally, you know, that's really whenever it started. And then my mom now to this day says I unleashed a monster is like how she describes it. Because then it was like, anytime something would happen, I'm like, oh, well, you know, guess I got to fight him now. Because look at these guns. You know, um, that I was, you know, the rule was I could never start it, but I got picked on a lot because like I was, I wanted to be friends with everybody. So that meant that I was a flirt. I was trying to take people's boyfriends. I was trying to, yes, you know, and yes, it's yes. like, no, like one, I'm, I'm a tomboy. I grew up with brothers who were wrestlers and I wanted to be a wrestler, but my mom said no. So then I had to do gymnastics and cheerleading, but like, I was always very yeah. like, you know, like physical, like I wasn't afraid to get dirty. I wasn't, yeah. you know, like, and so I was friends with everybody and I gravitated more towards the guys because that's just what I was always around, you know? And so that meant that I was a hoe. And, and plus we were know. like really, you know, deep in like the black community mm-hmm. and like, so that became an issue. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Where did y'all grow up? Um, and more, <laughs> we grew up, you know. More. But I mean, it just literally because the majority of our friends were black, like that was just an issue for everybody else, you know. Like we would be called like inward lovers, and you know, and it was wild because the same white boys that were saying this, their best friends were black, you know. And so, like, it was just such a really strange concept, and like. I think the way that we were raised in church too, we were also getting it from adults, which was like super weird and off-putting. And we just knew at an early age, like this isn't what it means to be loving. My most likely (laughs) to from, oh my God, at church. Yes. For the seniors, they would do most likely to's. So they would hold a service and they would present all the seniors with grow up and most likely to, you know, like I think Maryland's was grow up and most likely to, to like American Idol or something. Yeah, to like win American <laughs> Idol. Literally, this guy who was one of the um, the interns or oh. whatever they were called, um, he went up there and he, he was black and he was like, this award, I have to present myself because this girl is like my little sister, blah, blah, blah. And I immediately knew he was talking about me. I still have my certificates. It was most likely to surprise us all and marry a white guy. Oh, wow. Yes, and she did. (laughs) (laughs) It didn't last very long, but you know, like, it happened. Hey, that was... That yeah. was, you know, I'm grateful for that one. Yes. We're better friends than we were in yes. a relationship, but yeah. he's a great father to our children. So, yes. so Marilyn, can I ask you, do you have yeah. any any black in your, like, lineage at all? Um, so when I did my DNA, um, I was actually kind of, like, um, super low-key, like, sad, because it was, like, 100% <laughs> colonizer. So I was oh, like, gosh. oh, shit. No, but <laughs> it was, like, trace back to like East Africa. I mean, like we all come from Africa is my belief anyway. Um, but, uh, yeah, there was like a, on your mother's side, like it could be traced back to East Africa, but like at the end of the day, it's like Scottish, British. And I'm like, uh, like 1% Italian or something like that, you know? Um, I haven't done mine, but I just like, 
I would say I'm a, a woman that happens to be white, but I know, like, deep down in my soul, like, I was a black woman, you know, in my past life, native, you know. Well, you, you look um, like you have carry a little bit of melanin in your skin. That's oh, why, thanks. that's why I asked. Thanks. And, you know. I'll take I, it. Burn until crisp sun, so it lasts me all winter. I'm know? not going to present it as it's a compliment or not, because <laughs> I've often been told that, you know, I'm not really black as a, um, as a being a compliment, and mm, that's not a compliment to me. No. Like, I, I'm black and I'm proud of that. Correct. And if you're, you know, whatever you are, yeah. that's, you are perfectly, you know, well, I guess white pride gets, gets kind of scary. So <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to avoid some being proud of no your whiteness, thanks. but. Like I love myself, you know. but I'm not really like out here. Mm, yeah. I'm so excited <laughs> to be white. I just wake up, you know, and it's like, no. Another day, off, off subject, but the police chase yesterday. I'm sorry. Did you did you see that? No, I, I stay away from the news. Okay, so no, I don't either. But we live with my parents, you know, and they just stay on Fox News all the time. But it was wild, and like I was jokingly to my dad, I was like, "Watch," because the guy that they were chasing was driving his truck, and I was like, "Yeah, America!" And I was like, "I'm sorry, but I guarantee you, it has like American flag on." When he finally stopped and he got out of the car, he had an American flag shirt on his back. And I was like, 10 points to Gryffindor. Uh, this is my ride as an American to run from the cops. Yes, it was great. It was the highlight of my day. But, um, yeah, I, uh, um, in regards to that, what's cool is, like, through healing, I've actually got to tap into a lot of my past lives, which has been such a really amazing spiritual experience. Like really freaking cool so i have learned that um i actually had a shroom experience a couple years ago mm -hmm. and um it was such like a grieving process well it was actually last year because too like i'm in the middle of like all of this like court stuff happening and i'm away from my kids for two weeks out of the month like i go from being with my kids all the time to now having to be separated from them and I was like a Native American woman who had two children that got taken away to a boarding school. Mm. And like, I mean, all of this grief just like washed over me, like grieving children that I had lost. And so in every past life that I've like experienced up until now, I've always had children. They've always gotten lost or, um, you know, dead or something like that. And, um, then the most recent one, well, two, Moses's mother, who was Mary Elizabeth. My name is Marilyn Elizabeth, but it's with an A instead of an E. And um, there's a lot of, like, irony there. Like, um, even with, like, Moses, like, Dakin. My son's name is Dakin, and he's named after Wolverine in the comics. And he was actually trying to be killed by... Um, uh, what's his name? Um, oh my god, I just went blank. Um, Wolverine or the or Moses? No, um, the guy that was trying to kill Wolverine's Wolverine. Um, Sabretooth. No, uh, <laughs> that's a good guy. Oh, dang. Oh my god, it's gonna drive me nuts now. Anyways, their names are literally both the same because Romulus was the one that was trying to kill. Uh, I mean, oh, Romulus was trying to kill Dakin, 
and Ramesses was trying to kill Moses. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, super cool. There's a lot of stuff, but um, anyways. We'll like, definitely delve into your past life mm-hmm. stuff on your episode because that's something yeah. I, I, I will yeah. definitely develop some questions on. Heck yeah. You know, I, whenever there's something comes onto the show that I don't have the ability to affirm or deny, yeah. like, I believe that spiritual healing is a real thing. Yeah. I believe that... You know, I believe strong in the universal oversoul that we are all connected. That's those are things that I'm yeah. I'm strongly passionate about. Whenever it comes to past lives, I'm interested. Yeah. Like I'm not gonna say like I totally co-signed this. Yeah. You know, I'm all about the past life <laughs> yeah. stuff. But I'm interested. Like yeah. I, I'd love to hear more about what you sure. found. And I'm a very curious person, and I, I like to not discount anything that. that you know Jeez. that I don't know. Sorry, neither one of you can talk now, so <laughs> we're just gonna sit here for the next thirty minutes. <laughs> No, please don't respect the James oh show. That's not, that would be very uninteresting. <laughs> so to uh, kind of uh, re-guide a little bit, let me ask another question that's yeah. like... Um, we've talked about so many of the things I wanted to ask about just kind of through attrition because you guys, have, the things that have shaped you are the ones I wanted, I wanted to ask about. Um, but... Let's talk about this. So I talked in today's reflection about sharing those fears and stresses that we condition ourselves to believe we're too happy to share with anyone ever. Mm. I know that neurodivergence makes it easier for me to share more of myself than most without hesitation. But years of trauma, followed by many more years of masking, created a dam of festering truth that I was able to completely ignore for like a really, really long time. Mm. It was built very well. So... It wasn't until I was in risk of losing everything through behaviors that I was doing that didn't really align with who I claimed to be mm-hmm. that I had to start asking questions of myself and, you know, poking and prodding that dam a little bit. Mm-hmm. And when I did, you know, it just it came crumbling down and I was left like oh, about nose deep and all the different lies, uh, deceptions to myself and different like. I don't know different like harsh realities mm-hmm. that I hadn't I hadn't even realized I hadn't dealt with you know right. as far as back as like my childhood trauma yeah. and other stuff do you feel I'm sorry but in that moment like I had my first real taste of authenticity mm. of like being honest to myself and saying like I am messed up yeah but like as scary as that was it felt good yeah like it felt like the for the first time ever like I was really here yeah. I mean, maybe not ever, but since like high school. Yeah. Like, so <clears throat> do you, did the experience of telling each other that you were being abused or opening up about your sexual, like your sexual assault, did either of those things have the, have that feeling of this is this terrible thing that I, I have to face, but sharing it with somebody I love actually makes me feel a different kind of real in life? Mm. Yeah, um, for me, so she came into awareness about sort of like different behavior types and stuff like that, um, before I really did. And so she would be talking to me about things, and I'm like, wow, like I feel that, like I, I went through something similar to that, or you know, I would, you know, and so. Having her, it really, you know, like, what, what am I trying to say? It, it helped me be able to process my feelings. Um, 
now, like I said earlier, like I haven't really talked publicly about things that I've gone through in my life. Like mm-hmm. literally the only person that I've shared things with is mm-hmm. her. Because if I do in the past trying to share my experiences or things that have happened to me, it's that didn't happen. Yeah. Or I don't remember it like that. Or yes, you know, mm-hmm. like literally and so then I questioned my experiences. Mm-hmm. And so then I had to really, you know, like whenever I started coming into awareness about things, I had to really sit down and like sit with myself. And so then as things are coming up for me, I have somebody that I can call and I can say, this was my experience. This is what happened. This is how it made me feel. And she doesn't try to change my mind. Mm. It's those feelings are valid. Yeah. Like, and Mm. so for me, it has made me being able to talk about these things because I get a lot like this is family stuff. We don't mm-hmm. talk about it outside of the family. We don't talk about it, you know, like that with loyalty. other people, yeah. you know. And so it's like it was difficult. But then once I started and I was like, like, I was able to <laughs> release those things. And having someone who didn't judge me, didn't invalidate me, didn't, you know, tell me that those experiences didn't happen. And just being met with, yeah. Those are some really big feelings, and those feelings are valid. Like, that has helped me be able to work through the things that I've kept bottled up inside my whole life. And so, like, I'm grateful, you know, for that. I'm grateful for that space that, you know, we've kind of created with each other. Um, I mean, we give our unsolicited advice and stuff mm-hmm. like that, but a lot of times, like, we're able to just really listen to each other and, like, vent and get it out and, you know, like... Well, how has that helped you with, like, wanting to, like, now feel empowered to share with others? Because I'm not the only one that has experienced the things that I've experienced, No matter how long I've gone and I'm like, I've been through more in my life, like saying this as a teenager, I've Mm -hmm. been through more in my life than most adults have ever been in their entire life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, but I'm not the only one. Mm -hmm. And so there might be someone out there who hears my story or hears what I have to say that can be like, dang, I feel that, Mm -hmm. you know, like Mm -hmm. I can resonate with that. And then they're able to come into awareness and start Mm -hmm. feeling things that they've probably bottled up. And, you know, and so now it's like, let's do this, guys. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about our traumas. Let's talk about the things that have hurt us. Let's talk about things that people don't want us to talk about. Mm -hmm. So that way we can heal as a community, as a whole. Mm -hmm. Because it takes nothing to be kind to somebody. Mm -hmm. It takes nothing to be an ear. Now, if, you know, you're not mentally prepared for that, it's also okay to say I'm not mentally ready to hear what you need to tell me, but, you know, give me some receive. Yeah. yeah, so give me a minute and let me, like, regulate myself and process this, and then we can come back and talk about it. Like, yeah. Let me just interject really quick. Like, the importance of either 
one saying like I'm not comfortable talking about that. This part of me is for myself, or these other two options of being honest while you go through whatever it is you're going through, mm -hmm. I think is so, so important because like you said, maybe somebody else has gone through it and can look at you and say, wow, I'm not alone. Yeah. I think that's so important, yeah. but also it can have, you know, not being honest <laughs> about it can have the negative effect. Yeah. Saying that I'm going through this thing and I'm totally fine. Yeah. It can yeah. make people feel crazy. Yeah, like, I'm not fine. Yeah, it's yeah. like <laughs> saying I'm not fine. I think is one of the strongest things that you can do to help people because if they're looking at you and thinking that you're going through this thing and they handled the same thing poorly, mm -hmm. they're going to people, you know, it's natural for us to compare ourselves to other people. Yeah. And if we look at, you know, it's like, you're going through this thing and I totally fell apart and she's like keeping everything together. And mm -hmm. like, what's wrong with me? Yeah. Well, nothing's wrong with you. Like yeah. we all yeah. fall apart to different degrees. Yeah. And I think we should be honest mm -hmm. about it. So I agree. You know, whatever degree you fall yeah. apart to is perfectly okay yeah and it's yeah. Yeah, one of ahead. my favorite things to say is it's okay to not be okay mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because you have to in order to be true to yourself and to be authentic you have to allow yourself to feel your emotions good bad and different whatever they are you have to allow yourself to feel them so you can move through that and that's the part is being being true to yourself i think like you were saying like going inward is like one of the most ugliest scariest messiest mm -hmm. things ever because like we avoid that at all mm -hmm. costs um and i know like i guess i'm grateful for hyperfixation <laughs> because that has really like led me down the rabbit holes of like my spiritual awakening mm -hmm. and because you know we grew up in the church so there's a lot of religious trauma there so i had to like really separate myself from that and find my own spiritual journey and like what what are my values and beliefs and what do I align with because from the moment you're born if you grow up in that indoctrination like you're automatically told what you believe what you should believe who you are what you should do and it's like but who am I like I'm not an extension of my parents like I'm not an extension of anybody else I am myself and so what does that mean for me like how can I show up and like when I was going through this stuff last year, like that was a very deep place for me to be in. Like we talked about like on the floor, fetal position, snot crying, you know, and like really allowing myself to grieve and like feel every emotion, even if it was uncomfortable and doing deep, deep shadow work, man, like really going inwards and saying, what about me? Like, cause I know I'm the villain in other people's stories, you know yeah. what I'm saying? And like having to take accountability of like, you know, I'm not going to be everybody's cup of tea. And if there is a way that I can change and make healthier choices that are aligned with my truth, you know, where I'm not trying to shrink myself for other people's comfort because boy, I would, I would dim that light, you know? And I just was like, I don't want to do that anymore. Cause like the moment I made the decision to even leave, like literally spirit just was aligning every single thing in front of me. And that was so beautiful for me to see. And it was a, a impactful lesson of like, when are you going to release the need to control? Mm -hmm. And that was hard is having to like, not be in control of things. And as a trauma survivor, that is something that you do try to control. 
because everything else you haven't been allowed to control, yeah. you know? And so I've had to learn, like, the only thing that I can control is myself. Mm-hmm. And so if I can learn to emotionally regulate and love myself and not just like superficially either, you know what I mean? Like all of the past versions of myself, like releasing any mm-hmm. guilt and shame for not knowing or being so we were talking about that yesterday just yeah. like the cringe facebook memories of oh my like god I, facebook oh. is such a great <laughs> reminder of our oh, past so you know the yeah uh because when you know i was doing shows and stuff like oh, i wish my real supporters would come out tonight you know and just all these subliminal comments you know and i'm like no wonder why you know you know i'm like doing but just being honest about that. I think that's like the realest thing that you can do is like learn to like love and laugh at those past versions too of like, man, I sent her so much love. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I haven't gotten there yet. Like, whenever I get a time pop memory from yes. someone I put on Facebook seven years ago, I'm like, what a douche. <laughs> I cannot stand yeah. that guy. Like it's it's really hard to oh, like crazy. I, I want to get to the point where yeah. I'm sending that person love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But at this point I'm still like, yeah. oh, you I can't stand I you. Yeah. Like, I, and I really yeah. see why, you know, I didn't have any like real <laughs> friends at that point. Because yeah. I was not real. Yeah. Like everything I put yeah. out was fake. And guess what? Yeah. I was getting like fake mm-hmm. support back. So but that's where grace and compassion comes in, man. Because mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. you know, when you can extend that grace and compassion with yourself, first and foremost. Like, well, let me retract. Like, I think we often extend, overextend so much grace to other people. And we don't give enough grace and compassion towards ourselves. Like, we're so ready to easily forgive people and forgive and forgive and forgive when their behavior doesn't change. But yet, we don't extend that same grace towards ourselves. And like, we have to remember that, like, we're human. Mm -hmm. And we are allowed to make mistakes. And what you do with that, are you going to learn your dharma from those karmic, you know, experiences? Uh, for those who don't know, will you tell us what dharma is? So dharma is your lessons that you are meant to learn. So like the wisdom that you gain from having that karmic experience. It's what you're supposed to take from the life. Correct. Have, right? And karma is literally just life lessons it's life experiences so if you're in a situation you know like it's your job to self-reflect and say what are the lessons what can I learn from this what is this trying to teach me instead of like oh my god why is this happening to me this always effing happens to me and you know like just blame 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 same thing if it always happens the the thing that's constant is you you. so you probably need to change something and that's that's freaking hard to take accountability man like it's really hard because it requires a level of like self-reflection to really look at yourself in the mirror and just be like "Mm, yeah I haven't been showing up as my best self and what does that look like so it's been really I want to say so exciting for me to like get to know me Mm-hmm. you know and like to date myself to like really be with it's myself and like really love on inner me and like sit with her and like ask her what does she need like how can I serve you now as an adult you know and like having her take my hand and like really just like 
loving on me and assuring me that like I'm doing a good job like I'm reparenting myself you know like I'm having to unlearn and unravel those like you know toxic generational cycles that will continue Mm -hmm. Um, because even with like attachment styles like insecure attachment styles are typically generational Mm -hmm. you know and so like you don't know better you're just going to keep continuing it and so um, I want to I want to say yeah. something too. A couple of things you said. Um, the first thing is, I, I really appreciate you talking about giving grace to your past self mm-hmm. because, like, I'm all about like telling people it's like you have to have, you have to be graceful to yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you can't have negative self talk. You know, you have mm-hmm. to be positive towards your view of yourself. Mm-hmm. But I hadn't really taken the time to apply that. Mm-hmm. It's like I believe in reclaiming your narrative, and you know, and. Mm-hmm. And going back and looking at the things that you, you know, you've been through and saying, like, here is my culpability in that situation. And here's all the things I can let go is not my fault. Mm-hmm. But I'd never really thought about saying, like, that person that I was like, he was a douche, like mm-hmm. saying he was going through a lot. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I love him. Yeah. Like, that's something I, I haven't taken the time to do. So yeah. that's something I'm going to work on. Yeah. Because, like, I, I love doing this show because I get to hear how people, how lots of different people mm-hmm. from lots of different kinds of backgrounds from, you know, scientific to, you know, spiritual to, you know, religious, how they all, how they all handle these things. Mm-hmm. And my, what I like to do is try to take them out of the, the packaging that they were given to me as, as, you know, Christianity or right. scientific or whatever, and look at the, you know, look at the methodology and mm-hmm. see like, what, what is actually there? What is it telling you to do? Right. And apply that, like just apply that to myself. Yeah. And then, you know, the fact that I'm, you know, a recovering uh, Christian that mm-hmm. is like trying to re- reconnect with that mm-hmm. is that it doesn't have any effect on me trying to learn to like parent myself. Mm-hmm. That's not information I was given. Right. And yeah. that's like that's something I just learned like on this show, like <laughs> six months ago, nine, six months ago, like three months ago. I'm terrible yeah. at time. If I if I say a time, ignore the time I lay out. It's like a total illusion. Yeah. But that's something that I'm I'm really learning to enjoy is like taking all these different views from all these different people and looking at the the thing that it's actually saying to do and applying that and saying like, oh, that's good. Right. Yeah. So thank you for that part. Absolutely. And there was something else, but I got lost. So that's okay. Anyway. <laughs> that's okay. Yeah. And I mean, like, even on a construct of time, like it is an illusion and like within <laughs> our society, it's like there's so much shame and guilt around like you should be doing this by this time, or you should be here, you should have a real job, you know? And it's like, well, I'm you should getting be. real money, so I think it's a job, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, Are you really getting paid? Then right, really and it's wild. And like, I know that will be like another um, topic of, of discussion, but um, just like lightly, like, you know, that's a huge part of being autistic and ADHD is like the majority of that community are self-employed. Because we make up 85% of the unemployment rate, you know, and because people don't want to hire us, you know, and you're really missing out, you know, but like, um, you know, that or it's just hard to stay interested in it that, is. especially if it's like a monotonous job, yes. you know, yeah. like if you're just doing the same thing over and over every day, it's like it, you lose interest, like you hyper fixate at first and you're like, super mm-hmm. excited and you go in all gung-ho you know and then the excitement wears off and then it's oh, like, it creates that dopamine though yeah like, and that's why like that creative like mm-hmm. being able to just create and do anything like um 
you know, people can look at it as a toxic trait or not, but it's like, one day I'm making a scarf, next day I'm doing a podcast, you know, like, whatever it is, but I think that that's so important to just, like, break away from that, like, patriarchal, like, you know, corporate America construct of, like, just do you, man, like, Well, I I talked on episodes three and four with Derek, uh, Derek Sire, and he talked a lot about the importance of that that hierarchical system existing Mm -hmm. and how you, instead of like ignoring it, Mm -hmm. how you learn to operate within it in a way that like respects yourself. And I thought that was a really interesting conversation Mm -hmm. because, you know, hearing you talk about it just not be like I don't like mm-hmm. I was not a good fit for the fire department, mm-hmm. but the first six months of completely breaking you down made me fit to the part where I showed up on time. I was early to everything like mm-hmm. you. That part is broken, like through mm-hmm. very severe. Uh, I'm not going to say like rep- very severe repetition and like fear of losing something that you worked so hard for Mm -hmm. because you know when you start anything you're super excited about it you know Mm -hmm. and you're gung-ho and that that goes away but the amount of repetition and the amount of fear that's built into you for Mm -hmm. like ever being late Mm -hmm. like that is the like almost the biggest faux pas on the fire department that exists is Mm -hmm. like showing up late if -hmm. you're two minutes late to work like you will be talked about like you know it's like Mm -hmm. a bunch of high school like it's so much shame Mm -hmm. so i was able to like now i'm on time to everything because they they broke (laughs) it's like so i you know if now i've got all this you know not it's much less shame and guilt now i I do respect other people's time right and that that's the thing i've taken away from it is that yeah if before it was all about like you gotta be on time you gotta do this you gotta stick to a schedule now i'm less about that now i'm like i want to be i want to respect other people's time right because that is the like if we have scheduled time mm-hmm. we are agreeing to the social con the social contract that time exists for now yeah and you've got to respect that person's time and show up for that and be ready for that thing mm-hmm. outside of that i still would love to just you know operate totally on my own time and that's why i'm if so important something yeah. planned and it's like we got to be there at a certain time it's like six hours in advance okay i need yeah two hours to get ready and then i gotta incorporate like another hour for like my adhd brain that you know we call that squirrel brain and then you know drive time okay it takes approximately 47 minutes to get to where we're going when i tell you that we said we were leaving at 8 50 this morning we were in the car at 8 50 like yes we were on game this morning Mm -hmm. but i think like i think that corporate America or just any place like that I truly think that they they need to adjust it's not that us needs to adjust to neurotypical ways Mm -hmm. I think that a lot of our ways are actually like really more better (laughs) I I, I agree that that there's definitely a lot to be gained from what we do but I think that there's also some of it that needs to be like adjusted yeah but you can't do everything that fits all the different varieties no no i just mean like it needs to be more inclusive because a lot of the majority of autistic people too make up the disability community and so it's like we are told that we don't fit in here Mm -hmm. and so where is there space for us because you discredit our diagnosis or because we have a disability you deem us as unworthy or less than So now my credentials or um, schooling or whatever it is that I have to offer 
is like less credible because I'm autistic or, you know what I'm saying, which is like really strange. And so there's these really harmful stigmas and stereotypes that are placed on neurodivergent people. And I just really wish that those places would be more inclusive Mm. and just really have more diversity because like you're really missing out on like really great people that would do a really great job and benefit your company you know and I don't think that it's um neurodivergent people that should have to constantly be made to conform because that is literally what we're taught from birth is that we have to shapeshift and be like everyone else because we're shamed into not being ourselves from an early age of like you know don't wear that Act you're like this. yeah so pretty keep your mouth shut yeah pretty girls don't <laughs> pretty girls don't say those words mm. yeah don't touch that or you're too loud or too this or yeah. whatever and with adhd like it shows up vastly differently for girls than it does boys right. boys is more outwardly girls is more internally and so like there's so many women that are that's why we don't get diagnosed until our late 30s for that specific reason you know but mid mid 30s what did i say late oh mid <laughs> um, i'm not quite there no concept of time <laughs> just but yeah like i just i think that it needs to be more like inclusive and um we need to like really break i worked those. in corporate america yeah. for 10 years and whenever i can say that I loved my job because I loved the people. Mm-hmm. Like, I did. Like, yeah. I managed a grocery store for 10 years. And it was a big corporate company, but in a smaller town. So it still had that, like, homey mm-hmm. feel to it. Mm-hmm. And um, the employees that worked there, they were family. Mm-hmm. Like, I was there almost as much as I was at home, if not more. Like knowing every customer by name, like, you know. You know, and it was great. And I loved being able to do what I did. And I think that my neurodivergence helped me be good at it because I was able to understand. If you were late, just call and tell me. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to grill you. Right. You know, because things happen. My thing was communication. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, just be like, hey, I'm running late. I'm not going to write you up right. for being late, you know, because you had your kids' buses was late and you mm-hmm. had to wait for them to, you know, get in the door. Just let me know. So then I'm not worried because then if I start worrying, like, where are they at? Is everything okay? They're always here. Like, what's going on? Then I'm going to get frustrated, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. But, like, so we literally had such a great line of communication. and. Everybody knew how to do everything. Like, I taught, like, what we call cross-trained. I taught Mm -hmm. them all how to do different things. So if they needed a break from the register, they could go stop. Mm -hmm. Or if they needed a break from stocking, they could go help out in the deli. Or, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so it's like, so everybody, you know, I had people who, you know, were neurodivergent, different disabilities, you know, all different arrays of people but we literally worked together as a team and it was beautiful because literally it's gone downhill so much and um but they like because I would 
I never asked anyone to do anything that I wasn't willing to do myself. Mm -hmm. Like if I'm like, Hey, I need you to go throw a truck. You better believe I'm going to be right next to you throwing truck with Mm -hmm. you. Right. If I ask you to go clean a toilet, I'm going to be in the very next stall scrubbing a toilet too, Mm -hmm. you know? And so, but we were able to keep it exciting. So that way a job that would be seemingly monotonous doing the same thing over and over every day Everybody got breaks and was able to do a little bit of everything. My, my first real job was at uh, Wild Oats, which then got bought by Whole Foods. and mm-hmm. So I did mm-hmm. the grocery store thing for a long time. And I was on the other side of that. I was the neurodivergent, undiagnosed at the time, mm-hmm. who was always running late and would never call. Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, I was like, because I always thought I could make it. Yeah. Like, you know what I would say to you? What? If you walked in and you didn't call, hey, is everything okay? And that, that was the difference is that mm. they, I was going to get, you know, I was going to get chastised, I was going to get ridden up. And then yeah. the fear next time I was running late was just don't call because then they're going to know that you're late again. Right. Yeah. Like, if you can sneak, sneak in, in one in, minute yeah. past, which you and never got yeah. there at that time. I see that rumination, like those mm-hmm. intrusive thoughts like are so real. And so like when you start going down a shame spiral, like, mm-hmm. well, now I'm not good enough because I'm now I'm always fucking late. You know, like mm-hmm. it just. A mile a minute, you know, mm-hmm. every single time. Yep. But like I, because my, always my main concern was making sure you were okay. Mm-hmm. Now then, once I knew you were okay, I'd be like, bro, why didn't you call? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, you know, the episode I recorded yesterday with uh, Tolu at a at a beacon, he and I talked about my workshop called Authentic Leadership. And you're talking about exactly what mm-hmm. I teach now. Oh, I love because that. I mean, what you're talking about is so important mm-hmm. to building a good team. Mm-hmm. Like, for one, you actually care. Yeah, like, that's, yeah. I mean, that's the biggest part is, like, I actually care about your team. Mm-hmm. Because then they're, they're going to want to perform for you when they see that that care is real. Yeah. Whenever you fake yeah. it, they're going to they're gonna want to pull, you know, pull the wool over your eyes mm-hmm. and trick you and manipulate you and whatever. But right. if you actually care, like, it's so important. So I wish I had, in those early years, I wish when I didn't even know I was ADHD, I wish I would have had someone saying like, Hey, is everything okay? Yeah. I'm like, yeah. no, I'm just running behind all the time. Yeah. Maybe you should go talk to somebody. About yeah. That. Right. I, yeah. Like literally like, and I, I would have employees and I'm like, Hey, if it's, if that's the case, set your alarm 30 minutes early to allow yourself to hit snooze. Mm-hmm. Like literally yeah. like, and I'm always like trying to come up with solutions, but like every new hire, every new employee that would come in that store I would personally take them upstairs with the paperwork, do their paperwork with them, wow. talk to them, get to know them. I mean, like, it was like always a two how two hour like new hire process. I mean, they got paid for it because right. they did the paperwork, you know. Right. But like, I'm like, hey, you know, I'm gonna be, you know, busy for the next few hours. Like, I need you to, you know, handle things down there. But if you absolutely need me, come get me, whatever. But I would literally spend that time with them. And then I would look at them and I'm like, hey, like we're a family here. So if you need anything work or work related or not, come talk to me. I may not be able to offer a solution, but I can at least be an ear, you know, so that way we can figure things out. <laughs> and that's literally how I was able to build such a relationship with each one of the employees. And so then when corporate came in to fire me for a 20 second TikTok of me dancing after the store had closed in the really? office. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Like just being goofy. Like yeah. Now saying, that's advertising. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> so they came out the very next day talking about I was unprofessional. I wasn't a good leader. Wow. I like went off on them. I was like, 
first of all, I have broke my back for you guys. I've opened stores. I've trained people. I've traveled. Like, get out of here with that. And I'm like, I can walk down those stairs and ask any one of those employees down there to do something, and they'll do it without arguing. Not to mention, okay, like, literally, like, never getting a raise. Like, she's mm. making, like, $1,400 a month. Yes. Managing a grocery store. Thirteen twenty-five an hour. But I did it for so long because of the people that I worked with. Yeah. And so literally I got up like, cause they told me, they said if it, they were coming out there to fire me, but my store looked so good <laughs> that the only thing they could say was there's some employees wearing hoodies and they can't <laughs> see their work shirt. And I said, then send me hoodies because I'm not going to make my employees work in the cold. Mm. Mm-hmm. And then they wrote me up, and on my write-up, it said, next defense is termination. Mind you, me and the customers are doing line dances in the aisles. I take dance <laughs> yeah, breaks, okay? Right. Like, yeah. we have the stereo. <laughs> you know, the Copperhead mm-hmm. Road would come on the radio, and I'd start yeah. doing it, and customers would come do it with me. Employees, mm-hmm. would, you know, like, it was just such a great environment to be in, Okay. We were number two in the entire company for our sales, and we were in small town. Wow. Mm-hmm. Like, so then whenever they did that, I was like, the audacity, like, literally, mm-hmm. that let me know what I actually meant to them. Mm-hmm. I was nothing. Mm-hmm. I was replaceable. They weren't worried about actually doing anything to benefit me because of a 20-second silly dance video. Mm-hmm. Okay. I got up and I did the robot and I was like, corporate robot, <laughs> no fun at work. And then I put my two weeks in the next day. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that that kind of mirrors my experience in which you were, as far as success goes, it's, it's documented how well you were doing the job. Right. But then corporate looks at it from their side and says, you're not doing it how we told you to. Right. Yeah. And that's that's my problem with yeah. how ADHD is looked at mm-hmm. in the workplace is that because I'm not doing it the way you told me to is why I'm so why I'm so successful. Yes. That's why why, yeah. why my clients love yes. me. That's yeah. why I've got better numbers because you've always done it the same way and yes. I'm offering fresh perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Don't do that. And that's yeah. that's a lot of like pathological demand avoidance too. Like with ADHDers, like once you tell me like not to do something. I don't want to do it even more. I never, I never thought about that. Yes. Yeah. And it's not that I, I didn't never consciously <laughs> thought that, but I did get in trouble for the same thing, just yeah. slightly different ways yeah. a lot. Mm-hmm. But it's hard. It's like my brain is telling me that it needs to be done this way, though. Mm-hmm. Like I'm trying so hard to do it how you told me to, but like literally, like what I'm doing is so much more functional. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, works better. It works better. Right. Like, you see how organized this shelf is? Like, I've worked at Walgreens, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. you know, but that's hard. And I, I really struggle too with like, not when people don't understand, like with ADHD, like you have to have like stimulation and like that dopamine fix and breaks and things like that. That became really difficult for me to like stay in character and like do this because it was full on imposter syndrome because I couldn't, you know? So like even last year when I got put on disability, you know, I didn't know that my attorney was going to like factor in my ADHD as well, but like, I'm so glad that she did, but she advocated and she was like, 
you know, according to her psychological report, like with ADHD, like they require like frequent 15 minute breaks. So with the jobs that you're saying that she can do, mm-hmm. is that going to be allowed? And he's like, no. And she's like, okay, then, you know what I mean? And I was like, dang, you go girl, you know, but like, it's, it's super real. So that's why, like, I just, I've loved being self-employed because I get to work for myself. No one tells me what to do. I can do it how I want to. And I don't have to choose one thing because even that alone, like, what are you going to be? What are you going to be when you grow up? What are you going to be? And I'm like, there's so many things. Like, Mm -hmm. why do I have to choose one? You know, why can't I like just do many things? Well, let me, let me ask you something. Like, it's clear that you two love being around each other. Like I've, I, I, mean, I research <laughs> I research you guys on your social media and stuff and saw that you guys have you've tried a couple of joint ventures. Yeah. Is, what is the most embarrassing joint venture that you've that you've tried? Like, that, like is is there one? Is there something that's like have you ever like thought of a caper and were like, this is what we're gonna do? And you look back at it now and you're like, what were we thinking? Oh, mm. I don't know. Give me like a better example, like because <clears throat> I don't know, but I'm like such a person that's like no regrets. Like yeah. <laughs> so you know? wouldn't be embarrassed of no, it anyway. So. No, because okay. I, it's very yeah. hard for me to get embarrassed mm. because like if anybody's going to embarrass anybody, I'm going to embarrass myself. Mm. You know, like but then I'm going to do it with a smile on my face and then laugh about it. So you're not ever even going to know that I was embarrassed. We tried so <laughs> hard though. We'd be in Walmart sometimes. She got me good. One day, and, walk, and it was like the Dollar Tree. I was like, um, we were like walking down the aisle, and I was like, "Oh, did you forget your hemorrhoid cream, Jolene?" You know, like we'll be just being so silly, and then we get up to the register, and she like, um, I forgot what you handed me. It was like another cream, or oh, she goes, literally, I'm checking out, and she goes. Oh, you forgot your cream for your vaginal yeast infection. And I was like, oh my God, let me just go die in a corner. And it was so That's great. love though, right? Like yeah. embarrassing each so other. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. My it's kids so don't get it yet. They don't. Yeah. <laughs> Surprisingly, they don't understand how my trying to embarrass them and make them feel awkward is how I show them love. It is. Yeah. Like yeah. turning the radio up on the Hispanic channel when I'm in line at school, you know? You know? No, it's not. They're just like. Mm. Yeah. Luckily, my kids are homeschooled, so they don't have to deal with me in public that often. Yeah. My 13 year old, he was diagnosed with autism whenever he was three and if you're looking for someone to give you the truth oh my god he's and brutal. be honest like he is your guy like it is amazing <clears throat> I like I feed into that I like I want that to flourish I never want him to lose that like boldness but he will straight up look at me and be like you're embarrassing but like he yep. says it so like matter of fact mm. and then i'm like you poop at parties and he's like i don't even understand what you're trying to say right now <laughs> like she'll be sitting on the couch and like minding her own business and he literally is like you're annoying me right now it's so funny but he's like so legit like we tell corny jokes in because he'll we tell jokes all the time together mm-hmm. but he doesn't realize that we're like looking them up Mm. And so, like, he'll make up his own joke, <laughs> and it's, like, so great, and it's, like, you know, 
My favorite one is the knock knock the hammer one. Okay. So we were outside. We were actually at my mom's house sitting on her pool deck and her and I are telling like corny jokes back and forth to each other. And my son comes up and he's like, I have a joke for you guys. And we're like, what, you know, like, what Uh is it? And he's like, knock, knock. And we're like, who's there? And he goes, hammer. And we're like, hammer who? He goes, there's a guy with a hammer over there building a fence. Because there was. Because there was literally a guy over there with a hammer fixing his fence. And we start laughing. And then he goes, why is that funny? And we're like, well, because it was a joke. But in his brain, it was a joke, but it was just so literal because it was the truth. That, you it know, was so funny. Like, he was, like, understanding the concept And the next time I told her, I was like, I'm just going to make up a joke off the top of my head and see if he laughs. And, I'll, and then she's like, okay. And so, like, she made up a joke. He totally didn't laugh. Not he even, like, like smile. Right? not funny. Oh. And then I go, I was like, yeah, what do you call macaroni that's being stirred in the pot? And he's like, I don't know. And I was like. Mmm, so good. And then he's like cracking up. And I was like, yes, she scored one. And I'm like, how do you do it? Teach me your ways. But it's, it reminds me of Jack. Was it funny? It was really funny. I mean, I, I thought it was I funny. don't get it. <laughs> I don't that get was it either. The point. That was the point. Oh. She was just, just like, I just made it up. All right. But he thought it was, was like hilarious. Yeah. And he like, yes. laughed. And I'm like, yeah. I wish I could make sense. Because it wasn't supposed to make sense. Yeah, I just wanted mm. to see if he would laugh. Yeah. And he did. And so I was like... So he enjoys the non-sequitur. Yeah. yeah. Okay. What is that word? Does not follow. Oh, that's a great word. Don Quixote. I like words. It's a logical fallacy. It's, it's usually used in, like, forms of argument. Okay. Like, when you're, like, having debate. Like, yeah. A fallacy okay. like is, like, that. a medieval, like, don't come at me with your fallacies. <laughs> <laughs> Very Shakespearean. You know, yeah. Like, man, that's so good. Yeah, I love it. That is wonderful. I like learning new words. I do, too. I'm an English major, so new words are great. I'm a big fan of words. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're just made up. But they are hard sometimes. No, I can't wrap my mind around that right now. Don't. (laughs) He's like, don't do that. Don't do that. (laughs) Too much. Too much. Even words. Like, I learned with, uh, like, homeschooling my kids last year that whenever Webster did his dictionary, it was actually, like, taking all the English words that he didn't like the way that they were used. Uh-huh. And he, like, decided which ones he was going to change a uh-huh. little bit. Like, you know, they spelled color, like, color. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And he was like, nah, that doesn't make any sense. It's going to be color now. Like, and oh, he wow. just decided, like, I can't wrap my mind around why he decided to leave certain things certain ways. Yeah. Because uh, me and my daughter were talking about a word the other day. And, like, you know, you talk about, like, Wednesday yeah, or Wednesday, yeah. February. Yeah. yeah. Sherbet. Like, yeah. Why did he? Yeah. Why did he leave those words alone? Like they don't yeah. make any sense. Like right. What? Half of them don't. Like pterodactyl. What? Any, anything that starts with a yeah. p, like I'm, I'm out. Like, or it starts with a p and doesn't say p. Like, yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. That was what a joke that I said I to her, and I was like, "Why can't you hear the a pterodactyl going to the bathroom?" She's like, "Why?" I was like, "Because the p is silent." That, and then she was like, "That's good." I she like goes, that. "I don't get it," and I said, "Well, because." Pterodactyl starts with a P. Like, and no, she's like, why? She looked it up and she's like, what? <laughs> it's like these hidden gems that the universe just gives. And I'm like, is this what like your 30s is like? Just learning that cucumbers are pickles? That's great. Yeah. 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 Right. I'm, I'm more frustrated by things like that. I was like, yeah. I didn't know that I could have been making pickles this whole time. Yeah. 
Well, for the cost of a cucumber. cucumber. For the cost yeah. of cucumber. That's so much cheaper. Yeah. And vinegar. Yeah. So um, I absolutely love the like visuals you guys have created for your podcast. Thanks. But they're kind of misleading. Okay. When I went to your podcast to listen the first time, I was a little bit smacked in the face. It's like, <laughs> it's pretty heavy. Yeah. Like, yeah. So yeah. What, like, can you give me... Like the the vision behind your graphic design mm. and what the vision for your show is and how did those things come together? Oh, you know, like I just we took those pictures last year. Um, we've always wanted to do awkward pictures. Beautiful. Is, <laughs> you know, we were so heavily inspired by masterminds. Um, and I love Zach Galifianakis. So, like, um. We were just, we had an opportunity and it just manifested itself. And my friend is a photographer and she was like, I need you to come do awkward pictures for me. And I was like, say no more. And I texted her and I was like, it's happening, you know? And so like, we didn't, <clears throat> we didn't know what each other was wearing either. I was like, don't tell me what you're wearing. Oh my gosh. It was element of surprise. And we just showed up and it was so great. We like videoed each other's reactions and it just went off. And so I actually was doing like little emoji characters at first mm -hmm. when I was creating it. And then I was going through my camera roll and I was like, oh my God, I forgot that we have these incredibly professionally done awkward photos. And like, it just fits. And I just felt like it totally captures like truly who we are as people. Mm -hmm. And I just think that once people like click in, they'll really see that like this is really dope. Like they're having really vulnerable conversations and this is really authentic. And they're also moms and creators and visionaries and awkward. Awkward and ADHD and autistic because I think too, like with looks, like people are so focused on looks and they think that like even like with autism or ADHD, looks a certain way. Or, mm -hmm. You don't look like you're on autism. I'm like, what does yeah. that look like? What, what you does know? that look like? like that's a very 1998 statement. I hear that about my son quite frequently. Yeah. Oh, he doesn't look like he has autism. Well, what is that supposed to look like? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Totally. I mean, that's, uh, that would be like saying to someone like that, you know, like, uh, primarily signs with ASL or something like you don't look like you know sign language it's yeah. like what no <laughs> you know yeah. it's you just look weird like you can't hear right yeah. it's just <laughs> a weird thing to yeah. say to someone um so I guess I just really wanted to capture like our personalities like more than anything because you know we've been shunned like yeah. so much in our life and I'm just like no there's so much <laughs> to us yeah yeah we are real people who have experienced really hard things that are trying to figure out how to navigate through those mm -hmm. and we have stories to tell things to share things to talk about that people don't want to talk about mm -hmm. the uncomfortableness mm -hmm. while at the same time we use humor yeah we're silly we're goofy and we like we are just, we're everything, yeah. you know, like in the best way possible. And so you wanted to show yourself, but your personality, not mm -hmm. that the, not that immediate first thing that people usually see, and especially in our society, which mm -hmm. is 
how beautiful yeah. they are. Like, oh, they're so beautiful. Like, yeah. You wanted to say, we're here, this is us. Yeah. But, you know, it really does, you know, desexualize the whole thing for yeah. really anyone. For sure. It's like these people obviously have some some interesting characters. Yeah. When you look at those photos. Like yeah. I think that they're like I think that they're hilarious and I think that they're like they're really good pictures yeah. also. I'm just like, I love this. Yeah. And so like yeah. I, you know, immediately was taken with the whole thing. I was yeah. you know, and it was had nothing to do with like <laughs> Oh, these beautiful women do this podcast. It would yeah. never have anything to do with yeah, it. Yeah, thanks. So, I think that's really what I want to captivate with yeah. that. It's yeah. just being seen for like who we are. And I can't control how other people, you know, see us or view us or whatever. But like ultimately at my core, like I just want to show up as me. Like mm -hmm. I don't want to like have to filter any of that out. Like this is <clears throat> who I am. And you know, if I ain't your cup of tea, just and use that index finger, you know, keep scrolling. We have many different looks, <laughs> you know, there might be times that you see me with braids, there yeah. might be times that you see me with purple hair, there might be times that you see me with multicolored hair, yeah. with no braids, or, you know, like, we just love to express ourselves in any way possible. I'm just going to be exactly who I am, and I'm going to do what I feel, and I'm going to look how I want to look. Because if you have a problem with how I look, that says more about you than it does me. Yeah. Because I'm perfectly yeah. fine. It's just projection. I'm fine with body hair. I'm yeah. fine with, you know, like all yeah. of these things. You're the one that's uncomfortable. So what about that makes you uncomfortable? Because it's not my problem. I will tell you, I'm not fine with body hair. Thank God I was born, like, I call myself a Brazilian hairless, even though I'm not uh, Brazilian at all. Yes. But, like, I, like, if you look at my arms, they're so, for yeah. a man, I have very little yeah. hair. Yeah. Like, I, I hate, yes. like, yeah. I'm usually bald. Yeah. Like, I like to be clean shaven most yeah. of the time. Yeah. Like, I just, I Is it a sensory it. thing for you, too? Maybe. Okay. Maybe it is. I was like, just saying, it's like, like, I have a sensory yeah. thing. Yeah. Like, armpit, my armpit hair, like, mm. I gotta shave yeah. it because, like, it feels like needles, you know? Yeah. yeah. I did let it grow. You did. I was so proud. Very proud of yeah. myself. <laughs> I was so proud. But, like, then eventually it got too much, and so I actually shaved it in the other day. Like, yeah. I had to. Yeah. Because it, like... It. You know, I, I think all my sensory things are just like low key, so I'm just like, mm. that's irritating. Yeah, They're not like it's not like obvious enough to where I'm like, I must get this off of me right, right. now. Yeah, ah. like I know how to pretend like I'm not having a sensory overload, even though on the inside I'm dying. <laughs> right. You know, we like, just we had a conversation with like about socks, you know, yeah. different types of socks because she was trying to out me for my sock collection. But um, it's not just your sock collection. You change your socks like a hundred times a day. Look here, honey boy. Question. <laughs> this is totally random, but there's a golfer. Um, I can't remember who it was, but he talked about like the, one of the benefits of being sponsored by a clothing company. He's like, uh, he's like, I get to put on new socks every day. Oh like, does that sound like a dream to you or is that just me? It absolutely it does. Like, yeah. have you seen the socks at Target and Walmart right now? Like, full no. on like Harry Potter oh. and... Like just Marvel socks. I just like the, the feeling of new socks. socks. I do too. So like, like maybe that is like another like tick in the mm -hmm. possibly autistic tree. Like, yeah, like that yeah. feels so good. I'm it like, it feels mm -hmm. so good. Remember some things that don't come back. Cut it off. It's a tag. <laughs> like, you know, I have like tons of compression mm -hmm. socks, like old lady mm -hmm. compression socks, but they're <laughs> yes. cool. They got designs. They really are. Right? Yeah. Like I have some that have boom boxes on them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like stripes. Yeah. Rainbow. I have like French bulldogs, mm. like 
that they are full on compression and that that's like my security blanket. But I, I feel wanna, invincible whenever I have I want to say to your on. your statement really quick though, like I do feel like us showing up this way, like in our podcast too, is like also giving like other women permission to show up mm. as themselves because like we're just big kids, you know what I'm saying? And like, you know, women are so like indoctrinated and there's so much internalized misogyny that like occurs within women. Like yeah. I know that I've participated in that too. And so really just like wanting to like, lift that veil of like saying like no like you can absolutely dress however you want to man like Mm -hmm. you can whatever feels good for you whatever makes you light up do that like the majority of my wardrobe is from goodwill you know what I mean Mm -hmm. like just do whatever it is that brings you joy if you want to wear you know like orange earrings like pineapples whatever it is like just as long as it brings you joy, you know. And matching like, is not a real it's thing. It's not real. Like, like you don't have to match. Those are meant to be worn. You don't have to match to be cute. Like no. I'm the queen of like mismatching on, colors man. and pattern mixing and like I I love it because yeah. you can wear a red shirt with purple pants and blue shoes and mm. be cute. Like yeah. Uh, I used to do a thing I called power clashing whenever I used to work at a restaurant and I would wear like a, a very patterned uh, shirt with a different pattern tie. Yes. And I don't really accept that anymore. I'm like, mm, <laughs> oh, that was a lot. Like since like sincerely, it was a lot. Like, okay. so I don't know. Like I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm re, I'm reconsidering it. Like sure. I, I haven't made a decision. I haven't landed either way, but yeah. it's like, I don't, like I was very confident, but I was like, yeah. this is it. And generally, yeah. anything that I thought that about in the past, it was not it. But what's crazy, though, like... <laughs> but it probably but, was. But it wasn't until, <laughs> it was until somebody told you it wasn't. And that's the thing that I've learned. Like, so many things that, like... It was it in my head, but, yeah. yeah. So, that, that's a yeah. good you know, point. Like, because I, I would enjoy things, but the moment that somebody told me that it wasn't okay or that I looked wrong or, like, I remember, I will never forget it. I was, like, going to wear this outfit the first day of seventh grade. And my mom told me that I couldn't wear white pants because it was, like, after Labor Day. And I was, like, what is Labor Day? Yeah, like, why can't I wear white pants? Like, I didn't understand. And, like, now you told me not to, so I'm going to, you know? And I just didn't understand. And so, like, things like that, like, you know, just the shame of, like, when you try to be who you are, like, and then you get told that it's wrong. Or your shoes don't match. And then it creates insecurities. And then, again, that shrinking happens. And so I tried really hard with my kids. Like, my youngest, I mean, she's she's my spirit. She's a fire. You know, like, Mm -hmm. she's amazing. But, like, I mean, since she was, like, two, like, she's just dressed herself, you know. And I never leggings with tutus and, you know, like, a Spider-Man shirt, you know. Like, two skirts on. Like, the other day, she literally wanted her romper to be a skirt and I was like okay we can do that Mimi can do it. my mom's a seamstress and mm-hmm. I was like she didn't want to wait though you know so she just snipped it he snipped herself and had you know leggings on a skirt on her romper that's now a dress on top of that and she just goes and like I just encourage that so much every day I'm like I love your fashion I think you look amazing mm-hmm. you know and I just instill that confidence different. in her yeah. to show up because like if someone says something to you like I always just am like 
it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. What matters most is what do you think? Do you like it? Because, you know, when people are always asking for reassurance, you know, when they've been like made to feel so insecure, well, what do you think? But the question is, but what do you think? Like, how do you feel? Here's a good example of that in my life is sure. that um, my my friend group makes fun of me because I proposed to my wife wearing Crocs. I love it. Did you have charms on them too? No, the oh, charms. Okay. Like, so this was like we've been married. Uh, I just did the math the other day. Thirteen years. Okay. So nice. I proposed to her fourteen years ago. Mm. So this was way before there was such a thing as charms, charms. for yeah. Crocs. This was before anybody really thought Crocs were cool. Yeah. So I was out there on my own with this thing. And mm-hmm. like, then, you know, we meet this group of friends, love them to death. They're like, you proposed in Crocs. I'll be like, show sure, dude. And now <laughs> Crocs are all the rage. Yeah, like, you started like, that. See, and I try to take credit for it. And they're like, no, you didn't. But maybe I did. But and maybe we'll I never did. know. But yeah. I like, I, I shrunk yeah. from that, you know, and this was not them. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody, but it's like. I let go of the Crocs because it was like, I, I felt that, like they yeah. weren't, I don't know. I, I wasn't like rising to the occasion that I was supposed to be in or whatever. So uh, I was like, I just, I let him go. And now I'm like, I, I should have just, if they, if I loved them, I should have just been yeah. okay loving them. Absolutely. I've got people backing me up now. Yes. Bring the Crocs back. We got you. Bring yeah. the Crocs back. I we literally have a pair of like butterfly shoes that I found at Goodwill. Like they just have like butterflies all over them. And like, I just, I don't care. Like, I really want a pair just, of light-up shoes. Yes. I don't yeah. have those, but I want a pair. I'm yes. upset that I don't have Heelys still. Like, my I kids all have them. have them. My mom was too afraid I'd hurt myself because of very accident prone. Mm. Yeah. But well, maybe I, that's a good idea then. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Even though I didn't break a bone until I was an adult. Yep. That's even worse, isn't it? Yep. Like, if you break sure one as an adult, is. that's, that's mm-hmm. pretty. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So, is, uh, getting <laughs> back to your friendship, is yeah. there one thing that you can each tell me that the other person doesn't know? Hmm. It'd be like an interesting fact or like some experience that, you know. I mean, I'm sure there is because we do learn like new things about each other all the time. Yeah. It's like, it was your like philosophy class or something you said you were in. And I was like, what? Yeah, I had to take philosophy in college. Yeah, but it was like something like super. I was like, oh my God, that's awesome. I didn't know you did that. No, I mean, we I took a lot of yeah, it's probably something like that. Um, let's see. Um, hmm. Is there like a cool experience you've had that like I don't know about? <laughs> I don't know. The only thing I don't know why this is what I think of, and I don't know if you know this, but like whenever I was a kid, I went to Frontier City for my birthday with a group of friends from school uh-huh. that weren't really my friends. They were more like my bullies, but I wanted them to like me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, I poured water on this guy's head because he was bald. And I got in trouble, and I had to sit out the entire, like, my birthday at Frontier City, and I ended up not even getting to do anything. And I had to watch all of my friends who weren't even really my friends Wow. Enjoy my birthday. Who who instilled that punishment? My mom. Oh, wow. So that's kind of actually a really traumatic experience. Yeah. I don't know why that wow. was what came to my brain, but it was. I missed, like, a lot of birthdays as a kid being in trouble. Wow. Like, my mom would, like, 
ground me from my birthdays. I think there was like two or three years that I was like grounded, like genuinely, wow. like consecutively. Wow. Um, she would let me dress up for Halloween and I would get excited and then tell me that the only thing I could do is sit on my grandma's porch and hand out candy. Dang. Because my birthday is like three days before Halloween. So Halloween's my favorite holiday. It's soul crushing. Yeah. yeah. Your birthday is like seven days after mine. So oh, nice. oh, I love it. I Scorpio too. I'm I'm a cusp. That's cusp. A, yeah, Scorpio Scorpio Libra cusp. Oh, nice. So, so are you like on that day? Well, it's like depending on which like um, chart you look chart at. Like I, I move mm-hmm. back and forth. Mm-hmm. But my youngest is a Libra. I'm a Scorpio. I definitely exhibit traits of both. Yeah. So I'm like hardcore Scorpio. Yep. Except I'm not a jealous person. So that was one of the Scorpio traits that people always talk about. Unless someone called me her their best friend. Yeah, that I'm was just <laughs> See, I, I feel like that might be true though. Yeah, like, that Ooh, you we had... that? release that. Yeah, you know we what I'm saying um, the whole thing. Yes, but if someone like, you can't tell me nothing about her because that's my best friend, not your best friend. She's my best friend. I think yeah. you were looking at jealousy wrong because this is this is your person. You're yeah. thinking about your your spouse or whatever. It's like, no, this is where your jealousy would be. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, maybe you are just absolutely. Person. I mean, yeah, but mm-hmm. not like I don't know. I'm trying to think mm-hmm. of something that you may not know. Now I don't mind if people call her their best friends. Yeah. <laughs> See, even that right there is still like a little bit of latent jealousy. It's like oh, it's, I think that's healthy jealousy. I think I think there's a healthy amount of saying yes. like you can you can say whatever you want yeah. because I I know the yeah, truth. I know. Like I've got the you I secretly be wondering too, like these new connections like I make and like she's I'm like so excited to tell her and I'm like I wonder if she's secretly like plotting their revenge, you know. <laughs> no, like, I actually kidding. get really excited because yeah. I'm like, oh I want to meet new people because I'm not good at meeting people. Yeah. Like because I'm literally like an introverted extrovert. And so yeah. like I don't just walk up to random people and start talking to them. Oh, but sometimes she does. I mean, it depends. It's more on, like compliments, though. Yeah. You know? Like, I'll, 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 your hat. You yeah. Know? Like, I'll compliment people, yeah. but I'm not going to just start like full blown conversations. Yeah. And that, that's more of a thought that you're yeah. putting out, not an actual, yeah. like, trying to make a connection. Correct. Right? Like, but she'll call yes. me and be like, oh my gosh, I met this lady and I ended up going over to her house because I bought something from her. And we talked for like three hours. And I'm like, in my brain, I'm like, how do you do it? Like, yeah. what? Like, this is like a superpower. Yeah, <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, well, if you can't think of anything, like yeah. you, you can think about it, and okay. we come back to it later. It's okay. totally yeah. fine because you just what you just brought up makes me think of a question I have, which is like, do you guys make space mm. to l- allow other people into your like very yes. close? Yeah. So, so do you have yes. other friends who you like? I don't know that you guys all hang out together often. So or there... no, it's getting it's getting there because you know. I was not in alignment, you know? And so this last year I had to really let go of people in my life that weren't serving me anymore. And, um, well, more so just like that weren't aligned with the person that I'm becoming Mm -hmm. and they were there for a season. Let let me, let me ask you to clarify what you mean by whenever I talk about alignment, I talk, my alignment is who I really am with who I present to the world. Yes. So I want to make sure that's what, you know, yes. we're talking about mm-hmm. the same thing. Okay. Yes. Um, because they were just not, um, 
they weren't relationships that I could take with me. Mm-hmm. And I had to let that go of trying to take everyone with me, you know, and I love you. But I have to now prioritize myself and choose me because mm-hmm. I've always chose everyone else. Um, and so <clears throat> uh, my mind just went blank. Just like that. There okay. it goes. But we're talking about just making space for other people inside your friendship. Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. So now, you know, through being in alignment with who I am, like, it's crazy how natural relationships then start to flow. And that doesn't mean that you won't get challenged with relationships to see if you want to, like, shrink again mm-hmm. or people please or, you know, whatever, because I've been tested for sure. And I'm like, you get a no, you get a no, you know, like mm-hmm. really hmm, trying to practice boundaries. But um, now we are really like making awesome connections and like really cultivating like incredible connections with other women. And I think through our storytelling and like sharing, like that's a huge part of that. It's just like um, creating that space, like <clears throat> I have my friend leads a meditation circle for like the new moon and full moons. And even just like a couple weeks ago, like, um, I had went and, uh, there was like a new girl there and we just like, you know, had a really cool connection. And then, um, she was another ADHD or she's like 39 and, and then we're like getting started. And then this woman and her kid are like walking and she's just like exuberant and was like, Hey, what are y'all doing? And I was like, we're meditating, come on in, you know? And like, now that's developed this really cool connection that I have as well. And so just like through storytelling and sharing and just like putting yourself out there to be vulnerable because like you never know who you'll meet. And I think like there's so much fear that's implemented, especially as a kid or like when you get in abusive relationships and coercive controls involved, like you can't trust her. Like I was always being told, like, I can't trust her, mm-hmm. you know? <clears throat> and so like learning that I can trust myself, I can trust my intuition and like really paying attention to what that feels like in my body, you know, especially being like an empath, which I feel like empaths are really just like traumatized children that grew up to people, please, <laughs> you know, <laughs> cause like they tap into, you are really trained to, um, be the emotional regulated for your caregivers mm-hmm. or whoever, you know, was doing that. And so like you're trained to read faces and read emotions without words even being right. You know, but you're, spoken. you are trained to fulfill the emotional needs of the caregivers. Mm-hmm. Specifically it happens in like, if there's a narcissistic parent, so they put that responsibility on their child that you're responsible for my emotional well being. So you have to emotionally support me and like all of that. So that's a huge responsibility. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. I know something about that. Yeah. yeah. And so that's really, you know, challenging to, to heal from. But I think when you do, when you really start to like gain um, a spiritual connection with whatever it is, universe, mm-hmm. source, God, whatever you want to call it, and can tap into yourself and like really start to like, oh, so that's what this feels like. I can now recognize these feelings in my body and like notice it and like let it be there without judgment and just become aware that I'm having this feeling or having this thought. And then um, now what do I want to do with that? Uh, you know? let, me, let me just say, I think that women's intuition is like the 
the most tangible and real superpower that exists. Mm -hmm. Like my wife knows things that I'm just like, how? Like, how? Yeah. So when she tells me like, I've got a bad feeling about this, I respect that like yeah. really, really yeah. strongly. Yeah. And I feel like the reason why it's not the same for men is because we're taught to separate ourselves from our emotions and how we feel mm -hmm. so, so heavily. Right. That we have just completely squelched down that. supposed to have emotions. Yeah, and we're not supposed to, like, how I feel is not important. The task at hand is what yeah. I'm supposed to be dealing with. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, what is my position or whatever else. It's not about how I feel. Mm -hmm. And whenever you start ignoring how you feel, like, your gut is a huge part of feeling. And that's what I so. love about you and Taylor's, like, podcast. Because, like, that alone, like, you are creating spaces to bridge that gap for men to be vulnerable. Yeah. And talk mm -hmm. about your emotions. And, like, that's huge. And so, like, you know, <laughs> yeah, pat yourself on the back. Because, like, you know, <laughs> yeah, it really is, though. And it should be normalized. Like, I had to have a conversation. It's kind of, like, one-sided. But um, with the situation that happened with my son. And I was talking to one of the other parents. And, you know, it was kind of being, like, boys will be boys mentality. And, you know, that it's a very ableist comment, you know, and, um, I kind of had to say like, actually like, you know, boys can be sensitive, compassionate, kind, loving, they can be affectionate, they can be respectful towards girls, you know, like these are all qualities that boys can be. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's not just limited to like, well, boys don't tell each other they love them or their hair looks nice. And I'm like, but actually they can, you know, yeah. and like that should be normalized. And so, you know, later on, like that is something that like we're both actively like working towards is like at some point, you know, helping to get on these like school boards and stuff where we are implementing that type of change, like helping with like redefining these systems within our education that aren't taught that because it's like our children are around our educators just as much as they are us like for literally the majority of the day and so like these types of things need to be implemented in the school like instilling confidence boundaries like what is domestic violence what does gaslighting look like because it's not just subjected to intimate partner relationships it can happen in the workplace mm -hmm. it can happen in friendships and so I think it's important for kids to recognize what these behaviors look like so they can learn that like mm, Johnny's really not my friend you know what I'm saying because he does this and he's very passive aggressive when he talks to me and you know and when you don't know you don't know yeah. you know and I know it's hard like when you have a classroom full of like 30 kids but I think man like if educators like were had just a minimal training in you know behaviors like this like or attachments they'll know what to emotionally look out for body language mm -hmm. and just really be able to help create a safer place for kids because for the majority of the kids that is their only safe place so if you walk into a classroom and you're like you're amazing, you know, and like start giving them mantras and things to say to take home with them and empower them if they're going home to a place that is where they're being disempowered. Yeah. That's huge. And you don't know the impact that you're making. You know, whether they take it or not, like, is up to them. But, you know, I feel like it's very impactful. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, the, the whole public school thing, it's a lot for me. Yeah. Like, we homeschool for a reason. And yes. I understand the need for people to send their kids to school. Like, mm -hmm. I totally get that. But 
I, d I don't think that, that means that you give up on their socialization, but right. like you should be like you're talking about mm -hmm. trying to actively affect what is happening to your kids in right. school and make sure that they're getting taught things that are important to their development as human beings. Right. Not yeah. as workers that are going to go sit into sit into the movie. Don't get me started. Right. I saw Ryan Walters on the news no. last night and Lord I just I'm, I'm lucky enough to not really need to care about that. So. I know. Man. <laughs> he says that he's going to change the laws in Oklahoma, bring God and prayer back into the schools and he is going to take out the parts of history that make America look bad. That's wild. That's like, but this is where you say it's not at a political level, yes, and that's important to recognize. We're gonna get yeah. rid of indoctrination you know? by indoctrinating, <laughs> indoctrinating <laughs> something that we like better that's right. better for yeah. white America. I'm like, oh, right. yeah, great, here we go again. Yeah, like, don't, I mean, don't love the narrative that's yeah. happening at the moment. Yeah, that's a whole, it's really, and even for us, like as white mothers raising black children. That's another conversation because that's a, that's a deep one. we have to parent our children differently, mm -hmm. you know, and like they're not going to learn those things in school, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and especially like with my son, like the majority of his friends are white and he's autistic. And so like, uh, like recently, like <clears throat> he was being referred to as like monkey in like group chats and like granted they were friends. Yeah. Oh, wow. And like, but he didn't know. I mean, and, and I'm hoping you know, that they didn't know either. Like, and they did, they didn't, um, they didn't either. And that's where, like, again, grace and compassion comes in because you can teach and educate in a loving way. Like, hey, this is actually a racial slur, and it's not okay to be referred to or call anyone that. Um, but especially, those parents might be having a fight. Yeah, right? generally, that's where it comes from. But that's yes. but that's what's really hard is that like. Some parents aren't going to be in a receiving space, and no one ever wants to hear that That's their child... That's the narrative of boys will be boys. Right. That she was talking about <clears throat> earlier. But, like, like, that... That's where that comes from, is because, like, it is hard for parents to have to be told something about their children that is uncomfortable. Yeah. But it has to happen. And, like, I, I think that as parents, this is where community happens, because... If you can have uncomfortable conversations and like communicate things lovingly with your children, like isn't that better for everybody? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But there's some parents that aren't willing to to do that, and like that's your prerogative. You know what I mean? And it's, it's not really though. But it's, it's <laughs> because but you're it, affecting everybody. It is by bringing you know. But you can't control that. You know world. what I'm saying? I know. I know. And that's hard. It's, it's it really cool. is. Like you can only do your part and you know if you speak on it and you know that's what it is you know what I'm saying but this is why like school systems I think really need to have these types of conversations and bullying and you know because that's huge you know bullying alone is really huge and so this reminds me of about. the time that I got a phone call about Malachi being mean to a girl and mm -hmm. made her cry I'm sorry is your son's name Malachi I it is so whenever I before I met my wife, I had decided that I was going to name my son Ty Malachi. Oh, like, wow. I was, that's it. That's what is going to happen. She's like, nope. And <laughs> so when we had our first son, actually, when we got our dog, he became Ty. Like, that was our first our first animal. And Malachi ended up never being a name that we used at all. So I'm really glad that somebody used Malachi. Yeah. I love yeah. it. I spelled it differently than how it's spelled in the Bible. So it gets mispronounced a lot. Mm. 
Um, Milwaukee. But, yeah. Milwaukee. That's how serious says it. You know, and then he has like the most plain. Yes, absolutely. He has like the most plain Jane middle name that so, I found a way. Straight back that okay. way. Yeah. But no, he has the most plain Jane middle name that I found a way to spell it to make it different. What's his middle name? James. James. Oh. Okay. How did you spell James? J A Y M Z. Okay. That's there's a there's a high possibility that usually when somebody takes a unique spelling, I'm gonna be a little annoyed. But I actually like that. Like that's pretty cool. It's... I actually seen that because um I'm there I'm a I uh, okay. I used to be a dancer and so I like any dance competitions, anything, like even though I don't participate, I love watching it. It's just such a beautiful art that I feel like is so underappreciated mm -hmm. because like any form of dancing is just like it's just beautiful because yeah. you're telling a story with your body movements. But anyways, what kind of dance did you do? I did all kinds. I, you know, I hip hop, ballet, tap, like I tried it all. Yeah. Um, I loved ballet. I just didn't like the rules that came with it. A lot of them. Yes. My, my legs were too big because I was also a gymnast. Mm. And so, um, you know, like, all the your diet stigmas. would have to be so insane in order to keep up being a gymnast and a ballet person correct like, like it they're two completely different worlds mm -hmm. um so i ended up sticking with the ballet for a little bit longer until i quit doing that and doing cheer i would you know but anyways but there was a dancer that i seen that he did a contemporary piece and I mean, it just brought me to tears, like, because it was just so beautiful, and his name was James, and that's how it was spelled, oh. and so I never got that out of my head, like, and so then whenever I had my son, I knew it was going to be, you know, Malachi James, but then it just, like, popped in my brain, like, this spelling, and I'm like, I love that, and so that's kind of, you know, how I went with that, but yeah, um, but now what I was going to say was whenever he was in like fourth grade, I got a phone call from his teacher that said that he participated in making fun of this little girl who was also mixed and they were calling her a puff head and a monster and they made her cry. And so I said, well, we're not going to do that. We're not going to join in on the bullying. But what we are going to do is we're going to stand up for the people who are being bullied. So let's try to, if we're going to use our voice, let's try to use it in that manner. So I literally, he had to dress up head to toe in a suit, bow tie, vest, jacket, suspenders, shoes. Like I went to Burlington, got him all the, you know, the works. And then he had to spend his own money and buy her flowers. And then stand up in front of his entire class and apologize to her and then present her with these flowers. That's a lot. Yes. I have mixed feelings. I'll be honest with you. He, oh, he <laughs> enjoyed it. He loved that okay, part so of that's, it. That's yeah, good. he that's was, good. he was great. And then, you know, now what's funny is they're actually going to school together again and they're friends. 
you know, because I mean, they became friends after that, but I did take it a step further, which is where I can take accountability for mm-hmm. because of the fact that he was smiling. And I looked at him, I said, you think this is funny? And then I called out everyone in the class and I was like, every single one of you guys have something that can be made fun of. Mm-hmm. Like, and I looked at Malachi and I said, you wouldn't like it if I made fun of you for being clumsy, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, and then, you know, I, you know, said some other things, but I'm like, so why don't we just be nice to each other? But I was so like aggressive mm-hmm. or like abrupt, whatever mm-hmm. word verbiage you want to use. Yes. Mm-hmm. I love that word. Yeah. Um, that at that point, Malachi then became embarrassed and, um, and started to cry and he was like, snot crying. Mm-hmm. And then because I, in that, in those moments, it's like, uh, now my point's across. I literally embarrassed him and I took my phone out and I just took a picture of him right there in front of all of his friends mm-hmm. while he was not crying. And then after that, I felt bad. I was like, that's too much, you know? And so then I, I had to take accountability for that. But I was, I can say that I have mixed emotions about how I handled that. Mm-hmm. Um but Malachi now no longer like participates in like being a bully. Yeah. You know, like he, after that, like the next year I was getting phone calls. Like there was this kid, Malachi's not in trouble, but I feel like I need to let you know there was this kid and this group of kids was like picking on him and, Malachi stepped in and, you know, like he was taking up for them and, you know, blah, 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 blah. And they ended up getting in a tussle and, you know, mm. tussles a funny mm-hmm. word. But anyways, you know, and so like, and he's so compassionate and he's so, he has such like a large heart. But like, I, I knew that like whooping him wasn't gonna like, cause I'm like, one, not only did you make a person cry, but you made a little girl cry who is very similar to you. She has the same struggles that you do, you know, you're. But that's also what we were taught is that, like, if if a child does something and they're, you know, vice, uh, violent towards someone, then it's our natural reaction to then become violent with them right. as a disciplinary action. Which makes little no sense. No, no sense. it doesn't. And yeah. it's more you're being an authoritarian and you're trying to gain power and control. Which and then, you're reinforcing violence as a, you as are. a, as a solution. You right. are. Yeah. Yes. And then the primary um, source of connection is then fear from the parents. So mm-hmm. when parents talk about, you know, like, well, my child respects me. No, they fear you. Mm-hmm. There's a difference. A child respects you when they have a secure attachment yeah. with you. So, like, that's, I just want to go there. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's that's where my, my initial, you know, pushback mm-hmm. was, is that the shame mm-hmm. factor is also a very strong tenet of mm-hmm. how I was raised. Yeah. Is, you know, being embarrassed <laughs> was a way of punishment. It, it, yeah. it wasn't mm-hmm. the physical violence. It was, we're going to embarrass you in front of your friends or whatever. Right. And that that's something that, like when I talk about authentic leadership, one of the main things, like one of the focuses, praise in public, mm-hmm. like feedback in private. I'm not even gonna say punishment in private, feedback yeah. in private. Yeah, like I that's love that. that's yeah. something that you know mm-hmm. I try to do with my own children. Yeah. It's like, yes. it, of course, once again, these are all theories that I'm I'm trying to apply to my life, yeah. but I'm not perfect. Yeah. But I don't think that I would have felt 
right yeah saying that in front of a whole class but right. i like him having him apologize i think is something that's totally yeah like all mm -hmm. of it i think is good except for the whole it being such a public thing yeah yes and then especially like where you started to feel bad i'm like oh that breaks my heart yeah, yeah. Like, and like and that's one thing i can say about me and my kids is because i you know i was parenting how i was parented yeah. and then i started coming into awareness of like this is not okay it didn't do any good for me. Mm -hmm. So why is it going to do any good for them? And so now, like, I love that I've created such a space with my children that, you know, they can come to me. Like, we were actually talking about this the other day. You know, like, my youngest come, will randomly come up to me and he'll be like, Mom, do you remember that time whenever I was three that you did da 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 And then I'm like, yeah, I do. He's like, that really hurt my feelings. And I'm like you know what? Like, yeah, I'm sure that it did. You mm -hmm. know, like those feelings are completely valid. And then it gives me the opportunity to apologize and take accountability yeah. for the things that mm -hmm. I did that I, you know. And not saying a but, you know, yeah. because there's so many times like, you know, like with my parents, like it would be like, you know, you know, if, if you wouldn't have done this, I wouldn't have done this. Yeah, right. I'm sorry, but you acted this way. Right, but yeah. that's where your child learns that it is my responsibility to manage my parents' emotions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if I wouldn't have had emotions, if I wouldn't have had needs, then my parent wouldn't have done this. Yeah. You know, and even in public, like kids are so shamed to not not perform or have emotions in public. Like you can't do anything in public. So then they just learn to shut down altogether. Like, and imagine like being an adult. Like, I've been in public places where I've just received really bad news and immediately, like, flushed with tears or something. And imagine someone yeah. coming up to you and saying, don't you cry, you know? Yeah. And it's like, that's wild, you know, to then to do that to a child whose brain is still developing and these important, you know, reactions or responses that we're giving them is what is going to develop into their adulthood and how they're going to function in their relationships. Yeah. And it doesn't always stem from childhood. Children can have secure relationships and attachments in childhood and then have a traumatic experience in adulthood yeah. that then produces that as well. So it's not always just childhood, but yeah, yeah. that's something I'm, I'm you know, dealing with currently as a parent is that when we were young and didn't know better mm -hmm. as parents, we were like, bad emotion squash it yeah like you know we we weren't punitive yeah. per se but it was like stop crying yeah like stop wailing like you know it was yeah. so much about you know and also the the un understood level of adhd in both of us mm -hmm. was like this is overwhelming overstimulated. and it's like so yeah. so overstimulated so it's yes. like just shut up yeah and mm -hmm. now having to deal with the fact that like I, like my oldest daughter is an amazing person but I can't get her to talk to me sometimes mm. because I told her to shut up for so long mm -hmm. and like that man that makes me want to cry right now yeah. it's so hard yeah. yeah like I know it's never too late to start being a better yeah. parent but I can also see the effects of the things that I did when I was younger so can and, I ask you a question yeah absolutely so like doing that with your oldest daughter have you ever sat down and tried to have the hard conversation with her of 
look, I know that there were things that happened whenever you were younger that I did. And I just want you to know that I am sorry for that. And how you feel right now, those feelings are valid. I, I'm pretty sure we've had a conversation okay, cool. very similar yeah. to that. And she's, and it has gotten better. better. Yeah. But it's, I mean, there were, I can say, mm-hmm. eight solid years of me having really poor reactions mm-hmm. to her emotion. Yeah, that was and, me. Yeah. And that's, you know, and so... I'm like, trying to rebuild that, that with my oldest. Yeah. Yeah. emotional safety has to be rebuilt. My oldest, you know? he's very, you know, he keeps it, you know, here. You yeah. know, like, even asking him about maybe going to therapy. And I'm, and he's like, I don't want to go to therapy. So then I was like, well, you know, what makes you feel like you don't want to go? You know, like, mm-hmm. just trying to see what I can... Yeah. And he's like, because it's talking about feelings and I don't want to talk about my feelings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, I can take responsibility for some of that. Yeah, I take responsibility for almost because, all of it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah, like, because it's like, you know, I always got told, like, if you cry, I'm going to give you something to cry about. Yeah, I, I said that. Yeah. Like, and, I, and, I, and it was a lie because we never, I never yeah. spanked her, but it was, yeah. I still said it. Said and it's it, like. Yeah. That tastes Dry bad in my mouth. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, how like, did I say that? That is, yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, because that, that was me, you know? Yeah. And, like, I literally, and so then, I mean, I remember getting complimented on how well-behaved mm-hmm. my kids were in public. Yeah. And I would take so so much pride in that. But really, all it was is they were just afraid to do anything Correct. at all. Yes. Other yeah. than just sit there and stay quiet because... Mm-hmm. You know, they were going to get yelled at or, you know, Mm -hmm. they were going to have to go sit in the corner or, you know, like, and I just, I handled things so poorly, like genuinely. Just because you, it was just a mirror. And And that's where grace and compassion comes in. It's like, you can take accountability, but understanding like the generational component that comes with that of like, I was literally mirroring the behaviors that were demonstrated to me. Well, because you know, it's like, you know. Well, I whooped my kids and I you know, five, you know, five. Did you though? Right. Like, I say that. Now it's like, I mean, you're codependent. Uh, you're people I go to. I, I'm in therapy right. actively, which there's nothing yeah. wrong with therapy. I think everybody no. should go. Right. Um, but whether they feel like they've had any kind of traumatic experience or not, yeah. just go to just a chat. Just That's a chat. Just like a chat. because why not? In a, well, you know what I, what I really hate at this point is people who say, well, at least I'm not beating my kids. It's like, yes. well, that's the bare minimum. I, yeah, I think this, right. what's what we know now, to me, that's the bare minimum of bringing a human into this world. It's like, don't, don't beat the shit. Right. Like, yeah. please don't. Right. But Psychological then, abuse is way worse. It's, it's, it's so bad so and it's so long lasting and maybe take it upon yourself to like do the best that mm-hmm. you can. Like yeah. it was not their choice to be brought into this world, so it's yeah. your responsibility the to yeah. do the best. If not, not yeah. just good enough. Do yeah. better. Yeah. Like yeah. when you start doing great, do better. Like and they, talk they to them it. like they're humans. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like absolutely. You don't know everything. Like I was not allowed to ask why. Right. That was a big. Like, curiosity thing. I mean, I would shame. get popped in the mouth if I would be like why you know Mm -hmm. and it wasn't because I was trying to be defiant or disobedient it was because I genuinely just wanted to understand how that answer came about and then I would get met with don't ask me why because I said so that's why and so then it's like 
I think it was like an inferiority complex too, because I think most adults truly didn't know why. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because that's what my mom and dad taught me. So right. you do it too. too right. Yeah. And so I think yeah. it became more of like an embarrassing thing of like, I really don't know why. Mm -hmm. So it's like now, like if my kids ask questions, you know, like Phoenix is a why, why, why? And I'm like, keep asking why. Like that's science, mm -hmm. man. You know, like, I mean, it gets overstimulating, but I'm yeah. here for it. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like Kevin Hart, you know, when his like daughter's asking him things, I'm like, I don't, I don't know why cheese is made like this or, you know, yeah. whatever. It can be so random. Yeah. I'm like, but let's find out. Yeah. That's yeah. a great question. I would love to look that up with you. You yeah. know, I, I, for me, it's personally easier to answer the questions yeah. than to have them continually curious or like, sure, it's, right. like it's going to keep coming up until yeah. like they're curious for a reason. Right. Their curiosity yeah. needs to be satisfied. Yeah. In some way, like yeah. let's just let's yeah. just answer it. Right. Yeah. Well, can. I can't do it while I'm driving, so that's why I'm like, I'm like, See, well, when we get help, we're gonna Google it. And that's find something out. I was grateful for my dad for because you know my dad was the passive parent, my mother was the disciplinarian, you know, all of that. But um, I would ask my dad anything, and mm -hmm. he would have an answer. Was it the correct answer? And would I learn that it was not? <laughs> yes, I would. But would he be so confident in, you know, explaining to me why the sky is blue and how it's like food dye that, you know, people like put in clouds and like, but, you know, he would just come up with these off the wall because he really didn't know, but he was going to give me an explanation, yeah. you know, but he would be so confident in his answer that I'm like, oh, wow. So, from water towers, you know? At like, what point did you realize that he was lying whenever he was telling you? <laughs> whenever I would go to school and tell my teacher, or oh, you know, no. and then you know, your dad's a liar. Yeah, <laughs> and then it's like, well, no, actually, you know, the sky is blue because it's a reflection of the water. Um, you know, yeah. so it just, and yeah. I'm like, huh. So then I called dad and I'm like, dad, my teacher would say, <laughs> my teacher said that this is why the sky is blue, and he goes. Well, that could very well be it. Yeah, that could very well be why. You know, and then I'm like, okay, cool. You know, I mean, yeah. And yeah, it was just, you know, like so he he would always like allow me to like ask questions that I could not. So you know? that that brings me to an interesting thing. Like, I know that honesty is really important to me now, mm -hmm. but I know that whenever it comes to like autism being on the mm -hmm. spectrum. Honesty can take a different, uh, there, it can go to a different extreme. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes it's taken very literal and very strictly. Mm -hmm. And what does that look like for you? Like, is that true? Am mm -hmm. I, do you feel like that affect, affects your relationship anyway to whenever you're not truthful about something to each other? Like, does that feel especially difficult because of the relationship between autism and honesty? I think that's hard because like that's something that I'm I'm still healing and having to regain trust with myself because I was taught not to trust myself for so long mm. and like the people around me were dishonest so like and I wasn't being honest with myself because I was told to shrink you know right. and you can't be that and so um Dang, like, that's a really good question. There's um, one specific time that I can remember whenever we were, I was talking to you about this the other day, we were uh -huh. in the Brahms drive-through, uh -huh. and we were talking about, um, it was kind of like whenever, after we went through our period of not talking, and then we were coming back together, and, mm -hmm. you know, like, we were, like, we were okay, 
but like the subject of like moving in together and all of that was yeah. still like a very like sensitive subject for me. Right. Um, and uh, you were talking about us like living together or whatever. And I made a comment about like, but what happens if you find somebody else and you're like, I don't want to find anybody else and blah, 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 yeah. blah. And then I was just kind of sitting there like, okay, you know, because at that moment, like I was still like resentment. Yeah. And, um, but then like, it was a few minutes later, you were like, I have to be honest. And I was like, about what? And you were like, I can't say that I'm never going to find somebody, Yeah, you know? And you're like, cause I might like, you know, I'm, that Mm -hmm. could happen, you know? And you know, I would love to be able to have that kind of, you know, connection and blah, blah, blah. And like, you were able to go Catch from, myself. yeah, like go People from telling me what you thought I wanted to yes. hear to being yeah. completely like honest yeah. and like, you know, and I just remember like commending you yeah. for that because I was like, that is what I knew. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, like, in that moment, you were no longer, like, just trying to appease the person you were talking to. You were being true to yourself. Well, like, now, like, I appreciate, I mean, I've always appreciated honesty, but because I'm, like, hypersensitive, that's really hard for me. Because I would always, like, take, like, honesty as, like, something wrong with me, or, like, I would internalize it, Mm -hmm. and, um you know, just washes of shame, you know, would just Mm -hmm. come over. And so I really had to like release that and like really be, have gratitude for like honesty and like having these honest conversations because like I could be honest about many different things, like, and more of it was like injustices that I would see because I was very passionate about those things and like, you know, being an an activist in that way or whatever or advocating you know Mm -hmm. for injustices but like when it would come to like very deep personal things it's like I wanted to like avoid that you know what I mean because that meant like I had to like actually like acknowledge that there was something wrong yeah (laughs) you know do you think that that you you talked about pathological avoidance before yeah do you think the people pleasing is more connected to the pathological avoidance Mm -hmm. or to the the shrinking from trauma or is it both i think it's probably a combination of both but probably more from insecure attachments Mm. or like anxious attachments because like you get that from having kind of like a hot and cold relationship with your caregiver like they may be like loving you one minute but then they might withhold affection from you if they're angry or Um, your needs aren't getting met and so you know then that develops as an anxious attachment because you don't know what to expect Mm -hmm. so then you learn as a child that well if I do these things for mom or for dad that makes them happy so I just want to make them happy so then I learn to self-abandon and not have needs because now I've learned that if I have needs it's going to be met with oh why can't you buy your own tampons yeah. Well, I'm 11. You know what I mean? Uh, I'm sorry. Like, I didn't know I was going to bleed, you know, but like, you know, things like that. So I do think it has a lot to do with the attachments that are created at that age that develop because I learned very early on the people please, man. Like, I had to be on my P's and Q's at all times. And then in friendships, 
I just wanted to be liked. Like, mm-hmm. I just wanted people to see me. And so if that meant self-abandoning and, you know, whatever I needed to do, but it was really hard for me to keep secrets, you know? So then I became the tattletale. And mm-hmm. especially, like, if it was friends that were doing things to, like, put each other in harm's way, that was really difficult because I was trying to do the right thing, but then the right thing was met with shame. Yeah. And then I was like exiled from the group, you know, and now you're the tattletale and, you know, we can't tell you anything. And it's like, but you're like making each other pass out on recess. Like, you know, I, I remember that phase. You know, I it's just like I that. weird things, man. And I was like, nah, that's not right. You know, um, I, I asked because like I went through a long period of, lying as soon as like as soon as my wife would like call me out on something yeah. i'd say like she's like did you just look at that girl she am like no like I, like yeah. lie to her face because yeah i wanted her to not be upset yeah mm-hmm. and it's something that could have been a really small deal if i'd just been like yeah i really wasn't even paying attention to her. like i just you know i'm like yeah, yeah i get my attention grabbed really yeah. easily yeah but that was never a conversation i would yeah. be willing to have because i'm like what if what if she gets upset and then what if she gets really upset and then whenever she leaves me and yep. like you know yep. and that took me a long time to it's just weird because I never considered myself to be a people pleaser but I masked my behavior to try to fit in all the time yeah. I lied to try to keep people from you know being upset at me it's like oh yeah I was a people pleaser yeah huh interesting yeah so, yeah I'm learning a lot about myself yeah yes <laughs> yeah it's rewarding though I'm yeah. like this is really great that I get to like I've, I've really tried to, even though like, it's been such hard work, like, and so like, just gritty and ugly Mm. and messy, I'm really excited, like at the same time, like to get curious about myself and like learning things about myself. Like there's so many things that like I forgot about that I enjoyed or things that I like to collect or like whatever it is, like little knickknacks and stuff. And like, I'm like, how exciting is it to just really get to know you? Yeah. you know at this phase and just be excited of like what's to come instead of like everyone like dreads old age and all this stuff and i'm like i am so excited i'm excited like, <laughs> i'm ready really i want gray hair you it's know? not coming fast enough and are I you can... sure about that because you just said um mid-30s <laughs> i know i was emphasize that genu- very hard yes. no i was genuinely just joking because like <laughs> i'm not afraid to yeah. like be old um I'm I'm here for it. It's gonna happen. I yeah. do. I talk about it all the time. Wanting gray hair in your skin bags. Yeah. In your skin, you're looking forward to the skin bags. Like yeah. I I am all about being happy the age I am right now. Yeah. Like I don't want to like be younger. I you mean, know, I wish I had my younger body that I didn't take good enough care of then, <laughs> yeah, so I felt better yeah. now. Yeah. But outside of that, it's like I don't wish for the time whenever I was so immature and I was yeah. so yeah. so brash and so like made so many bad decisions. Yeah. But I also want to take my time and enjoy the process to get sure, to the yeah. where I'm old. Being present, like, yeah. yeah like I'm it's a real beautiful present. thing. Yeah. But I kind of want to go back to um, what we were talking about because I was going to say, like, whenever I was a child, I lied. I lied. I, I was talking about as an adult, but okay. also as a child. Like, yeah. As an adult, like, I, I, I mean, I really just kind of say, you know, say mm-hmm. what I think mm-hmm. that, like, as a child, that I did that because I wanted to not get in trouble. Yeah. If I thought there was any kind of chance that I was going to get out of trouble, I was going to lie. Yeah. Even same. if I knew that my mom knew, if I could just get her to believe me, you know. Yeah. But, I mean, I 
And then she would always make the comment, like, you know, if you would have just told the truth, you wouldn't be in as much trouble. But either way, I was going to be in trouble. Yeah. You know? So it's like if I knew mm-hmm. that I could get out of it in any kind of inkling, but she never believed me, you yeah. know. And then I was a liar, you know, like yeah. she would look me in my face and be like, you're such a liar. Mm. And then I would have to brush my teeth with soap. See, and I think that's really, it's really hard, like, with kids, like, having to, like, be so mindful of, like, what you say. Like, it could be something as simple as, like, um, my daughter was, like, at a friend's house, and I was, like, there, like, retwisting um, one of the kids' hairs, and, like, um, she was, like, dipping her chips into water, and she's, like, it's so good. And, like, one of the kids was, like, you're so gross, Phoenix. You're nasty. Mm. And I was, like, no. I said, she's not nasty. But you may think the act that she's doing is nasty. Because there's a difference. And, like, I wanted to point that out in front of her, too. Because, like, women, kids in general, just get told that directly all the time. Like, you're Mm. gross. You're messy. You're nasty. Like, if if a kid makes a mess. You're so messy. Instead of saying, oh, man, God, you made a mess. Yeah. That stinks. Let's clean it up. You know what I mean? Instead of, like, because... Defining them by the action yes, that, that happens. Yeah. Man, that gets so internalized mm-hmm. because I I now have OCD because of, like, being told that I was all of these things. I was mm-hmm. gross. I was nasty. I was messy. And then, like, having to, like, constantly, like everything has to be cleaned a certain way, dusted a certain way with my mom. Cause like one of, if not both, my parents are neurodivergent. They don't know it, yeah. you know, um, but my mom's diagnosed now actually. Yes, for oh, sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, She's, we don't talk. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I get it. Um, but yeah, just making sure that like being mindful in the language that you're using. Cause I've been guilty of that. And I've had to catch myself of saying like, it's the act, <laughs> you know, and not even well, like even, having to label it. Even nasty. that, yeah. Like I'm, my son recently did a thing where he microwaved, uh, refried beans and put jelly on a tortilla with them, and I was like, that is disgusting. And I'm, I'm like trying to reframe that in myself. I was like, that is not for me. Go that for is it. Not yeah, yeah. yeah, you do you. Yeah, you do you. <laughs> like I'm trying to reframe that stuff because I, for one, I think that my middle daughter is going to be like some sort of like insane chef when she grows up because she puts together the most random combinations and sometimes it's genius. Yes. And sometimes it's not not, for me at all. Yeah. But you know, like I want to encourage that creativity and saying stuff like that's disgusting. And exploring. It's going to, it's going to, it's going to hinder that. Yeah. And it's so, I mean, being a parent is a lot of responsibility. It really is. You you can never know how much weight a certain word that you Mm -hmm. say is going to carry. So you yeah. just, you know, have to try to be careful and, yeah. you know, also be self-aware and yeah. observe whenever things that you say do take effect and try to, you know, mm-hmm. make adjustments at halftime. That's what I heard yeah. on Modern Family last night. Yeah. Oh, I love that. <laughs> that's how, but that's how you learn that you're you're creating secure attachments with your children when they feel safe enough to explore yeah. mm-hmm. and do those things. Like, that's a sure sign of, like, my kid feels safe to be themselves around me. Mm-hmm. They feel safe to try new things. Like, those are all signs of, like, creating secure attachments. So. Yeah. Yeah. My youngest, I swear he's going to be a chef because he's all about like 
they'll make it and especially if it's mac and cheese involved oh my god anything that's mac and cheese anything that i call him the mac and cheese yes or people try any kind of mac and cheese and if he doesn't like it he will tell you that it's disgusting yeah no no um i had a friend one time that was so excited talking about um i made this mac and cheese and i really weren't ready to try it and (laughs) so i tell him you know i'm like okay like you know, so and so is gonna bring over some mac and cheese, and he's like, "Okay." And he takes the bite and puts the spoon down, and he goes, "That is the worst mac and cheese I have ever tasted." <laughs> so then I taste it, and I'm like, "It actually tastes pretty good." But yeah, there was garlic that was put in oh. it. There was all these extra ingredients yeah. that, for him, is like. Too much. This is mac and cheese. It is not necessary. Yeah. To add just the you're, you're, you're too far away from the traditional right. of what yeah. mac and cheese is. Yeah. But he did make a mac and cheese pizza all by himself. Went to the store, got the ingredients. Like, yeah. You know, it was just the box of like elbow noodles, and then mm-hmm. he got like you know all the stuff made the dough from scratch. I like this kid. Yeah. He hated it. <laughs> but he tried it. He tried it. Yeah. And the fact that he's very like food sensory, like yeah. has definitely a texture kid. Anytime he tells me he wants to try something, like whenever he wanted to make Cheeto Puff sushi rolls, <laughs> it had avocado and Cheeto puffs on the inside. I'm like, I will go Support and you. take you and get you whatever you want. He did not like it. You know, there's there's a, a there's a crunch element there. There's you know, yeah. I think it was the avocado for him though. Yeah, too much. So more. yeah, he he's not an avocado person. And um, we did go to a restaurant once, and he wanted to order guacamole, and I was like, he's ordering guacamole, like <laughs> yeah, you know, because I'm like he's trying something new, and yeah. so he of course hated it. But you know, I like I encourage. I'm like. Yeah. As crazy as it might mm-hmm. sound to me, if you want to try something new, because he will eat mac and cheese breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You know? Well, bring well, bring me back to your podcast. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, like every <laughs> tangent that we've had, I think has been beautiful. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but I want to ask, like, I know with my ADHD, there are things that start to interest me, and it feels like my whole entire world revolves around it. But then suddenly. I can just be like, I could, I could not care about this anymore and I'd be okay. Yeah. Do you, do you fear that you might feel that way about podcasting? Honestly, at this point in time, no, because I feel like I, I feel that I know that this is where like spirit is leading me like right now. And so using my voice like has always been like my catalyst but I was using it in different ways because I've always sang and um last year you know there were some like messages that came to me of like you know you've got to use your voice but it's not in the ways that you're used to using it like you're really gonna have to start stepping into your personal power and being vocal So like to circle back to your honesty thing, like that is where I am really learning to um, own that and have to step into my personal power of being vulnerable with myself and saying like, no, I actually have things to say. 
mm-hmm. after I've been silenced for decades and shrank myself because I wanted to be more palatable for people. And no, I actually do have a lot of shit to say mm-hmm. and I want to say it and mm-hmm. I want to be unfiltered because you don't get to have an opinion on my lived experiences, you know right. what I'm saying? And so, and I've really like shrank myself for so long doing that. So when it comes to honesty, now I'm really trying to just show up and like fully be honest yeah. and be just raw and unfiltered and not like dance around or over explain or, you know, just no, like be direct. This is what it is. This mm-hmm. is what happened. And like, this is my lived experience and, um, you know, just really be, using my voice in that way because I feel like with our podcast it's going to be such a catalyst and open doors to be someone else's survival guide Mm -hmm. like in so many ways that other women's stories were for me Mm -hmm. and what gave me the courage to leave my relationship because I literally thought I was alone and until I joined like these like narcissistic support groups and stuff online and then they were like I was like, holy crap, like that literally just happened to me last week, you know? And so like I started feeling like I belonged somewhere and I was heard and validated in like a group of freaking strangers. Mm -hmm. And I was like, so if I'm feeling like this and they're feeling like this, imagine how many other people are also experiencing this, experiencing this. So imagine having a space that we can provide for other people to feel heard and seen and validated in their truths, you know? And so, so is that your podcasting? Why? I guess so. Yeah. yeah. Cause I was going to say, yeah. I can't speak for what the future holds, but I know that in this moment, this is what we're supposed to be doing. Yeah. yeah. Like I have no ifs, ands or buts. And we've been talking about it for mm-hmm. a long time about doing a podcast. Mm-hmm. Because of the fact that yeah. we have so much to say, but it never really happened. About the last three years is when we really started talking Did about you, it. Did you, like, reserve the name of your podcast, like, two years ago? Or well, no. No? There, there was something I we saw whenever... We literally made it up in an hour. Like, I was looking through something, and it said, like, last post two years ago. And I was like, what? Like... I wonder why they started two years ago, but didn't release it until now. So I originally had a podcast. I had started a couple years ago. And um, what's crazy is I started this podcast whenever I, the first time I came back into my relationship. Uh And I was like, we're healing and we're healing our relationship. And I was like projecting all of these, like, you can heal from domestic violence too. Even though like, that's not what I was saying, but um. I was really given that false narrative Mm. of like, look at what we're doing. Mm. And I wasn't being honest with myself, but I was projecting so outwardly, like everything was fine. Everything was okay. And, you know, within a month that I came back, like it wasn't, you know, but I had to keep that up. But I was so committed at that point to my own healing journey because I had already started going to therapy that I was really like actively trying to heal in a space where I was being hurt and broken. And I created that, I guess that was like a way for me to talk about things and give other people hope. Meanwhile, like I was still trapped, Mm. you know what I'm saying? So it was a really weird place to be in. Did you get rid of that podcast? Like, did you delete it or? So I did, I was like, you know what? Like, I don't want to 
have to like create like another one. And I was like, I really would just like to utilize what I've already built and we can just change the name and things like that. Cause I never planned to have like an individual podcast again. This was something that now at this point I just saw us doing together. And I was like, so let me just take these spaces that I've already created. And instead of letting them like go to waste or delete them, I will just rename them. We can switch everything over to marvelous Masonic muggles and just do that. Are there any followers or anything left over from the other podcast? Um, I'm sure there were. Um, something I guess I really haven't like checked. Yeah, that's, yeah. I, I'm, <laughs> you know? I'm a I'm a nerd about the numbers. Yeah, like, I check okay. my stuff way too often. Yeah. Like, so that's that's a yeah. question just out of my nerd. Yeah. Like, curious as to whether you got any feedback from somebody who yeah. followed before and was like, hey. I, I feel like this product is much realer than what I got before. Yeah. Like, that'd be interesting yeah. to hear. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, I think everybody now is just like, you know, excited. So I'm just anxious for us to just kind of get our foot in the door. And, you know, I just think that even if one person hears it, we're making a difference, you know. Um, so I was going to ask you, what is your measure of success for your podcast? Oh, my gosh. So, I mean, to frame it properly. My measure of success was originally if I can help one person. Yeah. Then I got some feedback telling me that a couple people had had heard me, mm-hmm. and it helped. So then I was like, okay, well I've done that already. So now my goal is to help as many people as possible. Right. But I also want to be savvy enough to be able to position myself as an authority and authenticity to mm-hmm. re-retire my wife back into being a full-time stay-at-home mom if yeah. if she wants to do that. Yeah. Like right now she's got a virtual assistant business that. Is you know it's not like super taxing on her, but she would like to not have to work. And right. I would love to be able to give her. I love yeah. providing for my family. Yeah. Right. So that's my goal. Yeah. What is like? What's your success metric? Like, what does it look like when you're successful in this business? I mean, I do feel like that. That's kind of a loaded question, mainly because I really am just trying to think about like now, um, because I know if I hyperfixate too much on like what things could look like then that's whenever I'm gonna go down a rabbit hole of like all the things that could go wrong and mm-hmm. you know then start doubting myself and all of that but um I mean I think that being financially successful that's is the first thought that came yeah, yeah like is a goal yeah. of ours like yes we want to help people we want to share our stories we want to you know create a community but we would also like to be able to be you know just having that energetic exchange yeah you know for once of like um to now value myself and know that I'm worthy mm-hmm. of this reciprocation and I'm worthy of being paid for what I do yeah um that's been really difficult for me because I would underpay myself for you know doing hair or whatever it would be because I would always be like but this person's going through this or like whatever and it's like you know you can help within your means of when you can but at the end of the day like people are paying you for a service that you have like spent hours times money you know whatever it is and so they are paying you for a service and you have to value yourself within that and so this is also our time this is equipment you know things like that and what we have to say is really important and so um I think I just want for us to get on bigger platforms and just have like get to do really cool interviews with people, have amazing people on our podcast to give them platforms and just really 
build bridges, man. Like, you know, where we just have this awesome community of, of people, yeah. you know, and then just continue to open doors. Like hopefully, you know, at some point talk to like legislators. They are, <laughs> they are. We're main events. Over here. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Sponsorships. Yeah. But where this becomes like an income where we can just truly just, um, cause we have other things that we're a part of, um, like, earthly missions of helping to heal like mother earth chakra system and you know things like that and so we really want to have like the means to be able to travel and do that work and create healing in other spaces and have like you know like healing retreats even you know like me as like a reiki healer like that's something that um has been so profound in my life and helped me heal so much childhood trauma you know, and so I just want to utilize the gifts that I've been given and do what I can. You know, yeah, love just to give you a little bit of, you know, unsolicited advice. I love it. Don't be too afraid of looking into the long term because some of the things that I found researching long term actually made me really hopeful because yeah. 60% of podcasts don't make it past the third episode mm-hmm. and 90% only produce or produce less than three episodes. And then oh, after wow. that, 90% produce less than 20 episodes of that remaining mm. amount. So just as soon as you get past that first 20 episodes, you're in the top 1% of podcasts. Wow. Like just by attrition. Yeah. So mm. it's it's the perfect example of just keep going. Yeah. Yeah. Just keep going. And yeah. we literally like, I mean, like I said, I have no plans of not because I have a lot to say. Yeah. yeah, I have lived a long life in yeah. my 35 years of living, almost 36, mm-hmm. and I have a lot that I want to talk about. Yeah. There's so much to talk, even as, like, you were talking about being, you know, neurodivergent and being a parent, like, that's a whole conversation that I'm so ready to have of, like, just being honest about, like, how raising neurodivergent children, too, and being neurodivergent is overstimulating as hell yeah mm-hmm. like it's, it's a lot it is <laughs> a lot it's yeah. so a lot and when you're having when you're also like having to reparent yourself and then like parent your children with these same tools that you're trying to like learn mm-hmm. that is really it's you have to practice 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 and like you're gonna fail like <laughs> it's inevitable mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying and like when you can recognize that like admit it acknowledge it like take accountability do your best not to do it again mm-hmm. you know but like it's just so challenging and like I know like I I had severe postpartum depression and didn't even know it mm-hmm. because I just I had to keep going because I had four children that were depending on me I had a spouse that was an absent father and an abusive person in the home and I couldn't need anything you know what I'm saying yeah. I couldn't ask for anything like and I felt like a bother if I asked for help, you know, and that's how we were all made to feel in the home. And so like having to do that alone was like really, really challenging. And then living a life of chronic pain and having like multiple surgeries and like all of this stuff on top of that, like who no one was there for me during that time. So that was like, I didn't have a choice, you know, but to keep going because I had littles that depended on me. Yeah. You know, and so I just think talking about those hurdles is really important because there's so many things that I think as parents, like, we're just so afraid to say the wrong thing. I know I have been because you don't want to get judged. You don't want to get shamed. And like, 
I don't want to have to feel like that anymore because I feel like that's such a prison, you know, and I just, I want to release that because, um, it's very helpful to just have these honest conversations and be vulnerable about things that are hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like they're just hard. And like to share that with someone and like have someone validate that and say like, shit, I know how you feel, man. Like yeah. that's rough. You know, mm-hmm. like there's just so much love and belonging that gets created as a result of that, you know? And to me, like, that's, that's intimacy, man. Like just really getting to like connect with someone on that level, just someone to say, I see you. Yeah. I hear you, you know? Are there any realities about like being on the other side of having launched your first couple of podcasts that you've been surprised about? Like, has anything caught you off guard? Like, huh, I did not realize this was going to be the case. Um, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. It's like, it's very taxing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It really is. Like it's, it's a lot. The editing is very long. Um, you know, there's because of certain situations that we can't like publicly talk about right now. Um, like there's a lot being put on you. Yeah. There's a lot being put on me. some personal things that yeah i'm so currently in about i'm kind of having to like yeah take the the high road in that sense of like because i know that this isn't going to be forever and that so so you're like talking about your work split is very heavy on you right now yes but that's it's something that you guys have talked about yes and it's an understanding like correct that's a partnership That's that's beautiful it yeah. is. And that's a, I, that is a part of being in a partnership because there's going to be times like a person is only going to be able to bring 30%. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So that's why I have to make sure my cup is always overflowing, <laughs> you know? Yeah, so you um, that, yes, but that's hard sure. because I do have children and, you know, we're living with my parents, you know, and so like we don't really have our own space either. So like just having to be creative to find spaces and like we've been recording in my childhood bedroom, you mm-hmm. know, <laughs> so it's so great. Um, but I think it's been a lot challenging for me because I've uh, my body is healing, you know, my nervous system is trying to come back to a parasympathetic state and that's a long journey. Mm-hmm. And when I have children that are still in active trauma. And we're still in the middle of court litigations and stuff like that have so much going on. And so really having to like rest. And then if I do rest during the day or I do a little bit of editing, then, you know, then I have a seven year old that is like demanding my attention, you know. And so like it becomes hard because that's where like ADHD comes in is like I I have I want to finish it now. Yeah. Mm -hmm how can I put this on pause because now I'm in the middle of it and I, I really want to finish it now. But then I have children that mm-hmm. are demanding my attention. And so that's been like really hard conversations because I am so devoted to my kids and like, I love spending quality time with them. And then there's times like more specifically <laughs> to you, but that she has to understand that there it's okay to play alone sometimes. Mm-hmm. But it's a really struggle for her because she's um, showing signs of trauma-induced ODD, which is oppositional defiance disorder. Mm -hmm. 
And that's because of her anxious, disorganized attachment that she has. And it's mainly from a production of her father. And so we're having to heal and be in active therapy. And, you know, this is a weekly thing. And so that's very emotionally challenging for me as a parent because I'm having to help regulate all the time. And then I am so dysregulated. And so I have to really... I've, I've cried many times in the shower this week because it just gets, I get so overwhelmed and I feel that ego creeps in as like, you're failing as a parent. You're not doing it because she's upset. And I have to remember, like, I have to release that. And it's not my job as a parent to fix my child's emotions. Mm. There's nothing to fix. She's allowed to be disappointed. She's allowed to be angry. She's allowed to be upset. We're supposed to like we're supposed to try mm-hmm. to foster them, right? Correct. And that's, yeah. that's a hard thing to, to yeah. apply. Like, mm-hmm. I want to I want to make you never hurt, and that's yeah. that's not healthy. No, like, no, somebody who's never hurt is going to go out from under your protection and yeah. get destroyed. Yeah, and right. then how that's, do you how yep. do you how do you know what joy is? You know, how do you learn to really have gratitude for joy yeah. and and things like that if you've never experienced any suffering and I mean, I, I think that if we can make suffering less in the world, absolutely. Not be the cause of suffering. Correct. Yeah. Not be the cause, yeah. you know, but thing. suffering itself is inevitable. But it's really difficult to see your children, like, struggling in that way. And I just have to know, like, I'm just, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and, like, show myself grace. You know? I mean, yeah. I like, that makes me want to just say on air again how much I appreciate my, my wife and partner mm-hmm. for allowing me to have work days like I used yeah. to go to work and make money and right now I'm not actively doing that every yeah. day whenever I go and work on the podcast yeah it's something that is you know it is going to make money I have no doubt of that right now yeah. but this podcast is a it's a time drain it like it's time that I'm not parenting and she's doing it by yeah. herself in that time I'm so blessed to have a partner to to support mm-hmm. me yeah. and she supports my podcast and yeah so she doesn't have, let them come bother me all the time whenever I'm editing she doesn't like she keeps everybody quiet while recording. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. it's it's amazing to have somebody to do that with. And right. I am I'm really I'll be sending you positive vibrations Thank while you, you while you try to carry the load by yourself yeah, while you know it. you're trying mm-hmm. to support your friend. Yeah. Like that's yeah. It's a lot. And I hope Thanks. that it's not for too long and I hope you're able yeah. to to do it. Yeah. <laughs> There's a light at the end of the time. There is. There you is. can see it. There is. So, so we, I mean, we have a pretty good, like, little schedule. We try to get stuff done, like, while the kids are at school, like, as far as, like, recording and stuff, mm-hmm. um, you know, and so, you know, it'll, it'll all work itself out, like, it's coming. Randomly. So. Do you, wait, so do you guys live together? Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. But do your yeah, kids get along yet. well? Yeah. Yep. That's, yeah. That's yeah, so there's good. age gaps, for sure. So, I know it is a struggle for Phoenix, because, um... You know, her two older sisters moved back to Texas. And so, like, she's had a lot of, like, trauma that's happened, like, all at once. And so, you know, surrounded by boys. And there's such an age gap. Her brother is 12. She's 7. Mm-hmm. Then her son is 15. And then uh, Brayden is 13. So him and Dakin are the same age. They get along really well together as well. Um, but our kids are also just, like, they like to be alone you know, too. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, when we had the pool open and stuff, like they were playing a lot together, but like Dickon, 
our sons that are um around the same age like they have a lot of similarities like they they're so freaking creative they love to mold with clay and make stop motion movies and comics and things like that so my son spends a lot of time like making stop motion movies Mm -hmm. um and I just foster that like you know like anything you want to do um I will support that so you know he just we just like to watch movies and like it you know like very chill you know but yeah no like I mean but our kids do get along with each other um for the most part and I mean they kind of fight like brother and sister but not like yeah Yeah. like not like anything crazy but like you know they won't leave me alone yeah you being a snitch, it's yep. just like you're being a snitch. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But, like, we have just such a great dynamic with each other's children. Yeah. Too, you know? Yeah. Like. And that's a good thing to yeah. have, like, with community, like. Absolutely. Yeah. Like. Yeah. You know, because she can talk better to my kids sometimes than I can. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And they talk to her sometimes better than they talk to me. And so mm-hmm. it's like we're really like good at being able to help each other in that way. Right. Yeah, to yeah. Like navigate and you know, it's like in that's a beautiful thing, you know, like cuz sometimes if Brayden gets mad at me and he doesn't want to talk to me, like I'm, I look at her and I'm like yeah, you know. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so, you know, she and can giving be, the kids like an option like there's there's more mm-hmm. than one safe space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, because, like, not every child is going to want to go to their parents for everything, and that's okay. And so, like, just letting kids know that, like, mm-hmm. you have more than one safe space because, you know, in a lot of homes that, like, have, like, abuse or whatever, you know, that becomes, like, the, you got to keep the secret, you know, yeah. and, like, don't talk yeah. about it. And so kids really don't have a safe space, you know, to talk to. And plus, you don't want to feel like a burden to somebody and so I, I always like talk to your counselor, talk to your therapist, talk to Latricia, you know, mm-hmm. like there's many other safe adults and like safe adults don't ask you to keep secrets, yeah, you know, yeah. like, so we're very big on like boundaries, teaching consent, you know, it's with your body. It's okay to say no, no, it's yes. a complete sentence. It's okay if you don't want to hug every day. You want a crisp high five? Let's do it. You know, yeah. um. Because you're not obligated to hug me. You're not, you know, That's obligated cool. to do any of that. My wife will argue with that one with her with our son. Oh, who yeah. like is like <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean it, it's turned to a to a game with him. And I love it. You know, he hugs me without reservation yeah. and it's like almost like she wants it so bad that he's like she 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 does. She she wants those hugs. And her family was very different than mine. Like mm-hmm. she's got very very close relationships with like many members of her family mm-hmm. and like they talk her and her mom talk every day multiple mm-hmm. times a day i haven't talked to my mom in over a year and i'm okay with it yeah, like, yeah. that's that's kind of how it is and yeah. so we definitely give a balance to our children of like her like give me a hug and me like you want a hug cool yeah, you know? yeah. like asking yeah you know what yeah. i'm saying instead of like demanding I've created handshakes with each of my children mm. special handshakes yeah i love that yeah. i love seeing like uh, especially and, the more intricate the better and oh i mean we got to keep it simple because we get i <laughs> by we i mean me like get confused and it's hard to remember mm. but like you know my youngest he's like you know if he hugs you his hug is like 
just like turning it's his like body into you, mm-hmm. you know, like, like a side he chub. may not, he may put his arm around yeah. you and pat you, but a lot of times it's just like this. And so I think I'm pushing buttons. Um, but anyways, um, so I'm like, what if we just do a handshake? So that way, you know, you don't feel obligated mm-hmm. to like hug me, you know, but then he did tell me the other day, he said, I feel like that one is getting old. And so oh. I'm like, oh. Refreshing the stimulation. Yep. <laughs> now I gotta learn something new. <laughs> so now I gotta yeah. rewatch the parent trap. Oh. You know? Yeah. Just, yep. I need to. We need to win the kid in play. That is our goal. <laughs> That's not that, even hard. That has been my. Hey, we have tried, but you know, like <laughs> freestyle dancing, I'm game. But when it comes to like choreography and trying to, I am, the coordination goes out the door. Like, have you ever been to the opposite? I'm like, I need the choreography. Yes. If I freestyle, I look like Tina from Bob's Burgers. <laughs> but, you know, you give me some choreography that I can learn and have, like, an eight count to, yeah. like... I mean, we killed it. it. We, we, we've synchronized swimming Swim. choreography oh, over the summer. Oh my and gosh, where's that video? TikTok. TikTok. See, you missing out, yeah. Yeah. You missing out. You guys have, do you, do you have a big followership on TikTok? We just, no, we just created a, um, a group page. I think I have, like, I've got up there recently, you know, I'm almost at 2,000 followers, like on my individual page, yep. you know? I don't, even toot, know. Toot. Um, I don't care about hours. I, I just, just make I just really art, okay? Yeah, I really don't even post videos. No, she doesn't. I have like a few on my TikTok page. It's just very difficult in this moment. Yes. Um, yeah. But, uh, well, like, yeah. I, I, I don't like to wrap up conversations no. ever because I just like talking. Yes, but yes. I'm pretty sure if I air a three-hour conversation, <laughs> which, I mean, I'm, I'm going to have trouble having people listen to all of it. So, uh, last couple things I want to ask is, is there anything that we haven't talked about that you guys feel like it's important to share with the audience? Mm, for me, not that I can think of in this moment, because I feel like we covered a lot, and I don't remember exactly what all we covered. Yeah. Um, in one... Yeah, yeah, like I'm here for all of it. Um, but I don't know, I said everywhere. You know. <laughs> oh yeah, we'll definitely just, talk about that as yeah, well. Yeah, like it's just you know, like we've said a hundred times, like you know, yeah. we have a lot to say, and we 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 love hard. We don't judge. We you know, we're a safe place. Yeah, and that's what you know. That's what we're gonna be. That's what we're here for. Yep. Come on down. Step. Downtown. I don't know what. <laughs> How old is that? Oh that was synchronized. Like, it was like totally man, random, but synchronized. Love it all the time. So, where can people find out more about the marvelous Masonic Muggles? Yeah. And besides, on future upcoming episodes of this show, where we will learn more about each of you individually. Yeah. You can find us on um, pretty much anywhere. YouTube. Um, Facebook. Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, um, Spotify. Spotify, Apple Podcasts. So, like, for full episodes, hit up Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, YouTube gives you the visual. If you're not a visual person, you know, you can head over to the Spotify and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. Um, we really just post, like, shorts you know yeah, real yeah. things like that to kind of uh give people clips and draw people in we are going to be doing some like 
fun like fall giveaways soon um like I hand make jewelry and I have like two really amazing journals that need more sales on Amazon um <laughs> that you can buy but I at the end of my relationship I was creating journals which mm -hmm. is wild to me and I made a self-love journal it's called journey to self-love and it's like full of these really incredible journal prompts words of affirmation um quotes from like inspiring people like Eckhart Tolle Brene Brown um to like help people on their journey to self-love mm -hmm. and then there's another one that I created that is the um it's like I forget what it's called it's like an abnormally long title which is so funny for me <laughs> But it's like the introduction or activating consciousness um, through something. I don't know. But <laughs> go by it because it's amazing. Um, but it's an introduction to the chakra system. And so there is um, affirmations, journal prompts for every single chakra. And it's a lot of shadow work, too, in this one. Um, it's really, really great. Go buy it right now for your friends and for yourself for Christmas or party stocking. stocking stuffer like really like that's the ultimate gift man like help your friends freaking heal their shit self yeah yeah self-work man and tuning into our podcast in the month of October is going to be very exciting yes visually visually, okay. visually. visually. so I'm make sure you are following yeah. Yep, it's going to be great. And we don't know what the other person is planning. No, and we have, so we have new podcast oh episodes every single I'm Monday. Every yep. single Monday is new episodes. And then we started this week. Um, This was a new, <laughs> new thing. We just, you know, we just made up. So Fantastic Fridays right. is we started doing Fantastic Fridays uh, this week. And it is just like maybe like an hour series. Um, We try to keep it short. ADHD sometimes it doesn't happen but uh where we are just like telling each other jokes we don't know what each other is saying um we like literally write things down on a piece of paper mm -hmm. cut it crinkle it up put it and in our fanny packs and pull it out and just we have silly did you knows so um, is that going to be on the podcast platform? Or is that nope. uh, like live on yep. something? So um every Friday it's only on like I post I'll post clips and stuff as well on like Instagram, TikTok and stuff, mm -hmm. but you can only see it on YouTube nice. for full episodes. So those yeah. are, those episodes will not be on Spotify or Apple podcasts. So you can tune in that way to see that. Um, Cause it's very, it's a visual experience for, I mean, it is, you know, for yeah. listening ears too, but because well, the, the real I commented <laughs> on, what was that? Like, that's, Kind of what fantastic Fridays are going to be like, right? Yes. Uh, the most recent one you commented on, I think. Yes. Um, where I had red glasses on. Yes. It, yes. it was uh, much more yes. uh, comical. In yes. 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 This, this is what I was initially something. expecting whenever I, I, you know, jumped in yes. your podcast. Yeah. Which, like, I'm here for both of it. Yeah. But, like, I, I, I think that is really awesome. Yeah. I think that's going to be fun. Thanks. Like, you know, come on Mondays for, you know, the... The really nitty gritty, you know, which we still joke. joke we like we joke. Yeah, we still have lighthearted, but you know, it'll be our, you know, more serious topics, mm -hmm. you know, and stuff like that. And then on Fridays, ending the week with just yeah. a lighthearted laugh, yeah. you know. 
Laughter is healing, man. It really is. I've I've actually been like mentally exploring doing some sort of live something just to like, you know, like I love the podcast version of it, but I would love to interact with people in a more like, you know, immediate way. Yeah. I haven't figured out what my thing is going to be yet. Sure. But I love Fantastic Fridays for you guys. Um, Is there anything else you guys want to share? No, just follow us, sponsor us, everyone. Love donations. Um, anyway, yeah, yeah, tell your friends, tag people, share, like, comment, subscribe. Which, th- like, you have been especially great at that for me. Like, Thanks. you've been probably the most vocal supporter, and we oh, just wow. met each other, and Thanks. I love that. Like, I, I've been trying to do the same thing for people for, like, especially like the last three, oh, four yeah. weeks is like. I was spending so much time promoting my own thing yeah. and it didn't feel super great. I was like, this is exhausting. I don't love it. it I is. found that I've, I'm much more excited to talk about other people's stuff. Yeah. And if there are people who've been on the show, I'm happy. Like I'm more than happy to share their thing. Cause they took the time to have this conversation with me yeah. and create content for my audience. I want to, I want to lift them up as much as possible. So it's like, I think that's more of what, I'm going to do a lot more of it. just like, yeah, I love shout that. out other yeah. people. That's, yeah. that's exactly how I feel. I love, like, I just get so much joy out of, like, seeing other people, like, do their thing and, like, yeah. succeeding. And so yeah. I just want to, like, share it. And so mm-hmm. plus, like, you have really good content. So well, thank you so yeah, much. Awesome. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> but, you yeah. know, a little, a little weird whenever I get confident about something I care so much yeah. about. Like, you know, my wife had talked about this, that I'm so confident about like the topical stuff that you know it's like if you tell me it's like oh i love that shirt i'm like thanks no big deal yeah but whenever you tell me that this this you know mm-hmm. project that i love working on that is so close to me it's it's really a piece of me whenever people compliment that i'm like i feel way too seen like yeah, i know yeah <laughs> even though i love it yes, and i you yeah. know, and i really do appreciate that feedback yeah. it means so much it's still yeah I get kind of weird. And it's I, almost like, mm, what's your motive behind saying that? Exactly. You know, and that's just like that inner child that's really trying to like create like safe connections with people, like meaningful of like someone actually like really seeing you. Yeah. You know, and just like I've had to learn to accept that shit. Like, you know, if someone tells you, you know, I don't know, you're beautiful or whatever, like, thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. You know, or you have really great toenail polish. I don't know. I don't you know, know. I was about to say earlobes. <laughs> oh, thank you. You're welcome. You have great earlobes. Thank you. Wow. But just accepting That's freaking compliment. compliments, yeah. you know? Just accepting it. Because I think, too, like, people are so weird about stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And always feeling like you have to, like, dish a compliment back right. out because yeah. it just becomes awkward. Mm-hmm. Learn to just say thank you. Yeah. Well, you I'm know? also realizing that compliments are opinions. Like, yeah. So Word. if it's, you know, and what I've decided about opinions, I've been saying this a lot to myself and others lately, is that opinions are like clothes. Try it on, see if it fits. If you don't like it, take it off. Oh. Like, so whenever somebody tells yeah. me, it's like, oh man, you're so assertive. I'm like, do I like that as a thing? Like, mm. yes, I do. Like, I do want to be considered assertive. So, you thank know, either you. way, yeah. thank you for the compliment. Wow. But if I don't like it, I'm going to say, thanks. And I'm going to try it on. Like, no, nah, I don't really like that about myself. Like, mm-hmm. that's not something yeah. I want to foster in my, yeah. in my soul. So I'm just going to say, take that one off and, you know, yeah. get put it in the good one. The good one. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. yeah. And that's, you know, that. that's been really helpful to me because I, you know, it's hard to think about all the opinions that have been put towards me, all the ones that exist as 
you know, for black men, like sure. ones that exist for people with ADHD. There's so many different opinions. Yeah. And if I try to wear them all, I'm going to go crazy. Yeah. So it's like, it's just like putting on an outfit. That's like, going to get heavy, too. It's going to get real know? heavy. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm going to wrap hey, it up. Thank you. Uh, so <laughs> thank you again to Marilyn Latricia for being such great guests and being vulnerable in our conversation because it has been amazing. I really appreciate and I think our listeners will too. Make sure to check out The Marvelous Mystonic Muggles on YouTube or your favorite podcast platform. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review. I really appreciate the feedback and it helps me get heard by more listeners. Follow this podcast so you get updates about new episodes, live streams, which are in development. We just talked about that. And any bonus content I might share. If bonus or behind-the-scenes content is what you're really after, go check out The Authentic On Air with Bruce Alexander Patreon page. Share this episode with someone you think might enjoy it right now. I want to help so many people, but they have to be able to hear the show to get in on all this healing. Check out earlier episodes to support the future con- the future creation of great content. And don't forget to like at Authentic Identity Management on Instagram, Facebook, Threads, and LinkedIn. You can also head over to the Authentic Bruce YouTube channel for podcast video and impactful clips from conversations with these great guests. And finally, if you are struggling to show up as yourself in your content, your work, your family, or your life, I would love to help you. Authentic Identity Management does authenticity and identity coaching to help you align your true self with the identity you share with the world. It's exhausting to live with live someone else's life, live authentically, and access the potential that belongs only to you. You can contact me on social or email bruce at authenticidentitymanagement.com for a free 30-minute consultation. That is it for today's show. It has been absolutely amazing. Um, great episode. But until next time, to my guests and everyone listening, be yourself and love yourself. Bye for now.